had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute. I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. <laughs> Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos and motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. <laughs> Alright. Alright. Alright, alright, alright. Welcome everybody, it is this Wednesday, December 21st. This is the Mike Rutherford Show coming to you from the University of Louisville College of Business Studios. Visit business.louisville.edu for all your UofL College of Business news and notes. We are on the air from 3 to 6 today here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the land. You know it better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford here with a festive Trevor Kelsey Excited about the show ahead. It is the big, bad National Signing Day show. We've got Jeff Brom talking to the media right now. We'll uh, we'll hear a little bit about what he had to say as this hour progresses. We'll recap the day uh, as far as who's committed, who's signed, who's putting off signing, who's signing with somebody else, all that good stuff. Did you want to go to him live, by the way? I guess we can. I mean, he's I've, I've got it up here if you want to go to it. Do you hear what he's saying? Yeah, let's hear, chime in right now. Let's hear, let's hear song right now. Well, that's the song. Hold on. That's song, he's, he's, he's hard rock press conference. Hey, I mean, who doesn't get in a little Jimmy at the press conference? He's We're a, fired up to Here we go. He's, he's fired up. Here's Jeff Brom. He's fired up. You know, he's going to be able to do quite a few things for us, and uh, we've got to figure out what he does best, and then whatever whatever we other things we need to work on, we need to work hard at those right off the bat. We'll have all spring and summer and fall camp to get that going, but we're excited uh, because – you know, leadership skills, toughness, uh, the ability to compete at a high level is, is very important. He has all those traits. Kijuan Brown is a guy that you've known for quite a while, a former Purdue commit that's now joined you here at Louisville. Um, just talk about his game, what's impressed you about what he can do running the ball. Well, as we looked at uh, at his game, uh, you know, of course, we knew quite a bit about him. Uh, you know, he goes by Bama, uh, but uh, Kijuan, um comes from a really good family. Uh, they play a high level of competition. Uh, his film is really good. And, um, you know, I thought that uh, and we thought as a staff that he could add great value to the to the team. And, uh, you know, he came up this past weekend with his family, had had a good trip and visit and got to see things. And uh, we went down last week to see him at his house as well. And I just think we had a good relationship with him. He felt comfortable with me and Coach Barclay and and what we uh, believed that we could help him achieve. And I think it'll be a really good addition. Jeff, you you got four or five guys maybe end up being more off the two number one and number two teams in the country, um, the, the teams that finished one and two. How important is that uh, to have success in w- with a program like that in high school and then and then have those guys that, with that winning attitude? Well, I think it's really important. Uh, guys that have competed against great competition, which they did, uh, guys that uh, – 
can find a way to win. It means something to them. Uh, so they have that winning attitude and then that will to want to uh, figure out a way to do their part to help their football team win. But I, I really think those those get guys will add great value to the football team. Um, they'll come in here and compete. And that's what you want. You want your young guys to come in and compete for a spot. Um, as you know, uh, your recruiting is, is uh, on Twitter and, and on social media and on TV. And, um, you know, when they get here, uh, it's time for them to, to prove what they can do. And, and I think that uh, quite a few of these guys are going to enroll early. Um, you know, seven, seven of the 11 high school signees are going to enroll early. Uh, so we'll get them here and get them plenty of reps this spring, let them showcase what they're all about. We do, we do make sure, uh, since I've been a head coach, that all, all young guys get an opportunity right off the bat to learn. We don't like to you know, stand, have them stand in the back and learn by watching. No, they're going to get on the field, get repetitions, and be able to show what they can do. So we're excited to get them to the mix. And you know, normally when you, when you add young guys to your team, the team recognizes uh, you know, who the best players are and who can contribute and who can help the team win. And, and they want to win as well. So we'll give all those guys an opportunity. And uh, I think they'll come in here ready to, to compete and hopefully do a really good job. Do you anticipate adding any more guys during this period or in the February period? I think we will, without question. Uh, we'll be very active uh, from here on out. Uh, like everything, there's, there's, there's probably a couple that don't want us to say anything that may be added when they want to announce. Uh, there's a few others we're working on. Uh, and of course, there's transfer additions that we'll constantly work on between now and uh, the end of the summer. And, uh, you know, we've had success uh, getting transfers at this point uh, before they get into school in January. We've had quite a bit of success of guys at the end of spring uh, when they've gone through spring practice and things haven't worked out for them, wanting to make a change, making sure we, we, we save room to, to, to add those additions. So we'll, it's, it's a constant thing, and we need to have success uh, when we're getting uh, additions from the portal. I was just about to ask you, Coach, how much different is recruiting with the transfer portal being what it is today? Well, it's a lot different uh, every year. And uh, with all the rule changes that have come about and uh, – you know, guys not having to sit out a year, it's, it's, it's going to become even more uh, active. And that's just uh, what college football is all about, and uh, you have to be able to react to it. Uh, so, you know, I didn't, I didn't or a lot of us didn't put the rules in, but you have to be able to play by the rules that are out there. So, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a constant thing you're looking at, and you're making sure that uh, every day you're peeking at who's going in the portal. Uh, do we think it's a fit? Let's watch their film. Let's let's get some more background information on them, and then if, if we like them, let's let's try to recruit them and get them here. So that will continue, uh, you know, you know, from now until you know, probably you know, all year long, but definitely until the first game. Jeff, do you feel like you need to add a quarterback from the portal? I think we probably will add a quarterback. I think we need some depth at that position, and uh, so we we will look at that and and make sure that we have enough guys on the roster. And I think that's, that's what you want to have. You want to have enough guys that can compete. Uh, we've been in situations before where at Purdue, Aiden O'Connell was, was started at the very bottom, fifth string, fourth string, and uh, we had one year we, where he had to play. It wasn't really like we, we wanted to put him in, but we had three guys go down. He was the fourth guy up. Uh, he may have been the fifth, but he was at least the fourth guy up. And uh, So you, you need depth there, and you need to build, build, build depth. And... Uh, at some point, you're going to need at least the backup, if not more than that. So I think it's always important to make sure we have enough quarterbacks on the roster. I know when I played for Coach Schnellenberger, you know, he, he, he had a whole lot of quarterbacks on the roster, probably more than you needed. Uh, I think I came in at uh, eighth, eighth team or ninth team when I got here. Uh, so he definitely believed in having a lot. Uh, I, I wouldn't go that far, but we, we, we definitely want to have you know, four or five guys we feel comfortable with.
Jeff, uh, outside of quarterback, given the current state of your roster, are there any other positions that you're specifically targeting in the transfer portal over another? Well, I think uh, a lot of games are one up front in the trenches, so we always look for offensive linemen and defensive linemen. Um, we, we, we signed two offensive linemen in this class as freshmen, so without question we're, we're looking to add a couple uh, through the portal. Um, I feel like we, we have pretty good depth here on the defensive line and added some good young freshmen and uh, added some good transfers at this point. So, you know, that uh, is always something we'll look at, but I, I feel like we, we've had pretty good depth right there. And then, of course, um, any difference makers at any position, uh, we'll always make sure that, uh, you know, we'll take one of those. Hey, Jeff, up top right here. Uh, you mentioned up front the, the defensive line, particularly in the transfer portal, was something you guys seemed to address. What really jumped out about those guys to, for you guys to go after them and get them as part of the team? Well, we feel like that uh, that's an important position for us, and uh, you know, as we as I've watched Louisville this this past year, their defense uh, the last half of the year really stood up and did well. Their defensive line did a really good job, uh, you know, getting all the sacks and tackle for losses, and uh, we want to make sure that's a strength. And uh, you know, while skilled players get a lot of attention, uh, the, the trenches are really where you win the game. So, um, any additions we can add to to add to the depth and play more. Uh, guys and keep them fresh throughout the game, especially on the defensive line. Uh, we want to address that. And I feel like we're in, a, we're in a good position right now. Jeff, going back to talking about recruiting, one of the things that's obviously new in today's world, it's NIL. How much is that something that you discuss when you're out recruiting? And I guess what is, I guess, been your general philosophies on it? Well, I think it's different everywhere, uh, but it's a big part of recruiting at this point. And, uh, you know, there's certain roles that uh, you have to abide by, so so we will definitely do that. But um, you know, everyone watches Twitter and sees the landscape, and you know, there's different teams that utilize it to a great deal. There's others that maybe not as much, but uh, it is an important piece of the puzzle. You mentioned Pete earlier, and you know the other staffers who were still around. To you know, you know, there wasn't quite you know like a long turnaround. Um, between the Satterfield leaving and then uh, you coming in, but could you just speak to you know um, how important it was to have those staffers who were still here and you know just uh, still talking to recruits during this process while you're, you know, uh, coming into the new position and you're trying to keep these kids uh, committed to your class? Well, fortunately, uh, you know, I've had a relationship with Pete Nocta for a long time, um, and uh, you know, we, I coached him here as a player, and uh, he's either about the same age as my brother or right around that, and Brian, and uh, you know, Noah's father, and um, you know, he's done a great job and he cares about the program and uh, really wants uh, Louisville to have success. So he, he's been a tremendous addition and uh, we're happy to have him. Hove is another addition that, uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to know him until I got here. He's done a really good job uh, and uh, he has a really good connections down down south in Florida. Uh, but those uh, were guys we relied on right away. And uh, we, we from there, it was about myself and the few assistants we brought to, to start hammering away. And, uh, you know, there were so many things to do that if I sat there and th thought about how many things we had to do, we wouldn't get any work done. So it's just about attacking them as hard as we could and then maybe taking a break from that and attacking something else and taking a break from that, attacking something else. But uh, it, was a, it, it was a grind, <laughs> to say it lightly. Um, and you know, getting to this point is, is gratifying that uh, we're still standing and breathing. Um, but... Uh, we, we did the best job I, that I thought we could, and I thought all of our guys uh, gave great effort. We, we hung in there. We battled. We, we got some that we thought we could. We didn't get others that maybe uh, we, we'd have liked to get. But, uh, you know, we worry about the ones that are here, and I, I feel good about uh, the additions to our squad right now. But really, 
Pete, the recruiting staff, and uh, all the coaches that have been here with me uh, really worked hard and did a good job. Jeff, you going all the way back to Coach Schnellenberger, when this program has had really good teams, Florida has been a recruiting base, and, and Florida's been giving you guys, this program, a lot of really good guys. You have three right now in this class. Can you just speak to to, to your thoughts on, on continuing to root, recruit down there hard and then the two receivers and, and Stan Kwan in this class? Well, that's a vital piece to this program. And, uh, you know, the last so many years when I was at Purdue, we really didn't recruit Florida as much, so it wasn't uh, somewhere where we spent a lot of time in. So uh, we're definitely excited to get back down south and, uh, you know, like you said, even going back to when I played and before and, and after, uh, you know, New York's Louisville's done a great job getting players from Florida and South Florida to come up and play and be, and be big-time players. Without question, uh, Stan Kwan uh, at the middle linebacker position is, is a phenomenal talent. Uh, we had to battle a lot of really good teams uh, to get him here. We think he's going to be an outstanding player, just really athletic. He's tough. His team won the state championship. Uh, I mean, just a, a competitor. Uh, so we're looking forward to, to getting him here. Uh, you know, William Foles at the receiver position, he, he has the body type that you want. Uh, he's, he's, he's athletic. He's, he's strong already. Uh, he can stretch the field. Uh, we, we think he can be a real good player. And then uh, Kateris Hicks uh, can, you know, can be a, a slot player that's got some quickness. So we want to build on that. Uh, we want to make sure that uh, we, we do even a better job uh, this next year and making sure that uh, you know, anybody that wants to you know, come up to this university and play from down south, we want to make it happen. Jeff, I saw the, the release yesterday. Mark Ivey's going to stay on as a, as a defensive assistant. He's been the D-line coach here. Will he continue in that role, or are you going to mix it up a little bit? Well, I think that we've evaluated a lot of things since I got here. Uh, talked to a lot of people about uh, Coach Ivey and, uh, of course, watched him from afar and, and watched the ball game and uh, got a chance to, to know him. I think that uh, he can add great value to the program. Uh, he's been here. He knows our players. Uh, he's a football guy. Uh, he's a grinder. Uh, he wants to win. He wants to compete. He wants to do right by the kids, and that's what that's what I like. So I think uh, you know we'll determine all the roles uh, as we fill the full staff out. But uh, you know we're excited to have him. Uh, did you ask about somebody else? Okay, uh, but no, we're excited to have him. Of course, uh, Dion Branch. Uh, of course, I've known about him for a long time, and uh, he did a great job of leading the team in a bowl game. Uh, we're excited to have him back. I think having somebody that's been there and done that, that uh, you know knows the players, knows what they could be going through. Uh, it's just a, a great value to the staff. Uh, so we're excited that uh, both those guys will be here. Jeff, you know this as well as anybody. Uh, you came in here and got some really good players from here while you were at Purdue, some receivers. Uh, other, player, other teams come in here at the SEC, uh, whoever that might be. I'm not going to mention any names, but they seem like that they have put more of a priority in Louisville and the state of Kentucky. You just go out and say, "Look, follow us. Do you know? Come with us. We're going to be great one day." Well, we're going to kind of use the same strategy that uh, you know Coach Schnellenberger used, and uh, what I believe in, and, and definitely uh, in-state and the surrounding three to four-hour radius. We're going to make sure that uh, we leave no stone unturned, and we give everybody that we think can make a difference the opportunity to come here and compete at this university and help us win football games. And I think we have a good plan. Uh, to get that done uh, and a good plan for young prospects to come in right away and be difference makers that we've used at Purdue. Uh, so when you look at Ron Del Moore and David Bell and George Karloftis all came in, could have went anywhere in the country they wanted, and they came in and they were stars year one. Not uh, their second year, not redshirt for year one. 
Uh, so we firmly believe that if anybody wants to, you know, come to this university and make a difference that uh, lives in this radius, uh, without question, we have a great plan to get it done. From there, of course, you know, we'll recruit all over. But, of course, going down south and making sure, um, you know, we stay on that path, um, which can venture all over. Uh, you know, we now have connections in California. We've, we've had a few connections in Texas, a little bit up east. But it's just about making sure we utilize all those connections, build it around the radius, but definitely going south. And Florida is a very important area for us. Along that line, what kind of feedback are you getting locally or, or within the state in, in terms of you know, interest and in, say, you know, we've got these prospects? I mean, how encouraged are you about that short-term and long-term? Well, I feel good about it. Uh, myself and some of our coaches uh, have great relationships with guys in this state uh, and the surrounding area. Um, we've always tried to do right by all the kids and do the right thing no matter what, uh, whether we get them or we don't. Uh, I don't believe in telling somebody something just to – convince them to come uh, and play for us. No, we want to tell them the truth and what we can do for them and sell sell that. And if that fits, great. If it doesn't, they need to go somewhere else. Uh, and I think the, the coaches trust us, and they know that we're going to recruit this area and the surrounding area and make sure that, you know, if they tell us about somebody that they feel comfortable with, that they can play at this level, we're going we're gonna to try to entertain that. And uh, so I, I feel good. We, we weren't able to kind of, you know, this was such a, a quick turnaround of getting here and, getting around our commitments and a few others that we thought could add. We weren't able to, to get out as much as you normally would do in the spring or even in uh, the possible January contact period to all the schools uh, uh, around this area and in this state, but uh, that definitely will happen here soon. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, that was Louisville football coach Jeff Brom recapping his first national signing day, early signing day, as Louisville's head coach. Uh, as he mentioned, 11 freshmen signed today, 11 incoming freshmen signed today, 16 total players signed, including transfers, a couple new additions to that. We heard you know, Stephen Heron, uh, David, Devin Neal, and uh, a couple others over the weekend announced their commitments. But two wide receivers today, Jaden Thompson from Cincinnati and then Jimmy Callaway from Tennessee announced that they're coming over. That is going to be a, a solid addition to help the passing attack next season. Pierce Clarkson. Let's say about Cincinnati. They took our coach and their coach was like, gone. Screw this. Well, they did get, everybody wants to know, you know, signing day flips. What are the surprises? It started off on a little bit of a sour note for Louisville. Raekwon Atkins did flip from Louisville to Cincinnati. He's following Scott Satterfield up there. Uh, but the cards, they, as mentioned, they held on to. They officially signed two of the four players from St. John Bosco. Pierce Clarkson and Aaron Williams are both locked in. Then they were able to hold on to Stan Quan Clark, who was, you know, in classic Florida speak, talked this week about how he's committed to Louisville, but he's also considering Miami and Florida and a couple others. And I was like, well, then are you really committed? So there was concern there. Miami apparently threw the kitchen sink at him at the last second to try to get him to flip. But the cards hold on to him. That's a big, big get because he is he's the future at linebacker. He, he's a, a big-time performer. On the, I guess the big story that people want to talk about, is on the DeAndre Moore front. And we're going to have Keith Wynn on at 4.30 to talk about all this stuff. He's written, if you want to read quick profiles on all these kids who have signed today, he's got it up over at Car Chronicle. He's got many profiles on everybody who has signed with UofL today. But DeAndre Moore the would be the highest-rated player in this class should he sign with Louisville, the wide receiver out of San John Bosco. Announced, you know, I guess today, didn't make anything official, but did not show up for the... St. John Bosco signing day press conference apparently is going to put off on, on his signing. And I think a lot of people are like, well, this is terrible news. This is bad news. 
I kind of view it the opposite because if you followed the reporting this week, at the beginning of the week, it was being reported as if this was a done deal. He's going to Texas. Like, he's, it's over. It's done. And if you actually, Mark Blankenbaker um, of the Crunch Zone, zoomed in on the, the little nameplate that he had where he didn't show up for the press conference, it had a Texas logo on it. So he was clearly planning on signing with Texas at the beginning of this week. Then according to uh, Steve Wolfong, he talked to Jeff Brom on Monday and Tuesday. Whatever was said there put him in a position where he was willing to put off the signing. So not saying that it's definitely like going to be long-term good news that he's going to, to keep him. But I feel like at least temporarily this has to be viewed as a positive thing because if he was going to sign with anybody today, he was going to be signing with Texas. The, the fact that Jeff Brom at least said, hey, give us some time. Maybe let's have an official visit now that I'm the head coach. Let's get you back on campus. I want to lay out my vision for you. And maybe he'll sign in February at the, the, the old National Signing Day. I don't know. But I choose to view this as, at least for the time being, good news that we don't have an announcement from, De- from DeAndre Moore today because if there had been one, it sure sounds like it would have been him going to Texas. What I heard and what I'll see on the message boards later tonight is Rutherford says, Brom changes more mind, goes back from Texas to choosing Louisville. Well, he at least kept him from signing with Texas, <laughs> which is a small victory right now. Um, the other thing that I have to mention, is, I wanted to start the show with this because it's just, I can't think about anything else right now. So while just before Jeff Brom was having his signing day press conference to talk about his class, Dabo Sweeney was having his signing day press conference at Clemson. Oh, that Dabo. And he uttered this phrase. This exact phrase. In a very, we can find the clip later. It's out there. In a very serious manner. No joking whatsoever. Does he ever joke? This sounds like something I would have written as satire for Dabo, but he's actually saying it. You know, he gets asked the question about NIL. You know, we hear, you know, you, you know like using NIL. There's all these talks about you said, you know, you'd quit coaching if the kids ever got paid. And he said, look, we built this program on NIL. Probably different than what you're thinking, though. We built it on God's name, image, and likeness. But God spelled a G, not an N. I have <laughs> put in a request to Mary Rutherford. I know it's late. I know it's this is a, a scramble before Christmas. I would like that tweet framed and put and hung up in our house. Oh, a T-shirt. <laughs> we built it on God's name. Just like there was a joking tweet from last May that a like a, a satirical can college. We get, can we get the Starship song? We built this program. <laughs> there was a joke from last May. A satirical college football Twitter guy just put out like a, a picture of Dabo talking to his team, and it was like. The quote was, y'all worried about name, image, likeness. Meanwhile, Jesus is his name and his image and was made in God's likeness. Pretty much the exact quote that he wound up actually saying seven months later, which which is incredible. But Dabo, we love you. So does that mean he's just going to give money to the church? I don't know what it means. <laughs> I, mean... I don't really know what it means. Uh, I, I, I don't. It's just, I don't know. Uh, but props to Jeff Brom. The, the full list of players that we're talking about here, Keewan Brown, running back who had been committed to Purdue, he officially flips to Louisville after taking his visit a, a couple of weekends ago. Luke Burgess, the offensive lineman out of New Palestine in Indiana. Jimmy Calloway, as mentioned, sophomore wide receiver, transferring in from Tennessee. Micah Carter, the freshman D-line from St. X, who is also a flip from Purdue. Stan Quan Clark, previously mentioned, Miami Central linebacker, big time get there. Pierce Clarkson, everybody knows about him, the quarterback from St. John Bosco. Sadiq Clemens, another Purdue flip out of Henderson County, Kentucky, on the defensive line. Stephen Heron, transfer, senior transfer from Stanford, formerly at Trinity High School. William Foles uh, from Hialeah, Florida, wide receiver, 6'2", 195. Adonis Green, uh, defensive end out of Georgia. Kataris Hicks, 
he's an early enrollee as well. Miami wide receiver, freshman. Uh, Rodney McGraw is a sophomore transfer from Penn State. We knew about his commitment over the weekend. Same thing with Devin Neal, the safety transfer from Baylor. Madden Sanker, highest-rated offensive lineman to ever sign with Louisville, has been very vocal about his support of the program throughout this entire tenure out of Douglasville, Georgia, six foot four. 305-pound offensive lineman. Jane Thompson, as mentioned previously, he is a wide receiver transfer from Cincinnati. And then Aaron Williams, highest-rated cornerback to ever sign with Louisville out of high school. He is a St. John Bosco kid as well. So that's 16 players. And as Braum mentioned during that press conference, out of the 11 incoming freshmen who signed today, seven of those are going to be early enrollees. They're going to be here in a matter of weeks. They'll be here for spring practice, and they'll have a chance to get out on the field uh, in 2023 right away under the Brom era. I think all things considered, this has to be considered a positive national signing day, first signing day for Jeff Brom. I mean, he mentioned it right there. He got asked the question, are you going to look to add to this class? And he was like, absolutely. He's like, we have, he, I, I felt comforted in the fact that he said, we've got some guys who we're not going to steal their announcement, but they know what they're going to do. We know what they're going to do. We're just kind of waiting for them to, you know, they're going to announce on their own terms. I wonder if one of those is going to be Jaleel McClain, the other, that's the fourth St. John Bosco kid who did not appear at the press conference today, but who everybody says is still locked in. I think he says, you know, we're still working on some guys. DeAndre Moore probably falls under that umbrella, but this class is not done yet. Like they still got some guys that they are targeting. They still got some guys that they feel confident about. They're clearly going to continue to go to work in the transfer portal. Brom said right there. We're looking to add a quarterback. We're looking to add guys in the trenches. We want to add at least one more offensive lineman. But for right now, all this talk about, hey, the class is going to completely fall apart. He's not going to get any of these kids. Not so. You didn't get Ruben Owens. That sucks. You might not get get DeAndre Moore. That obviously sucks. That could also happen if Satterfield stayed. For sure. It it, it could have happened. Maybe he was looking for an excuse. You you never know. But originally, when Jeff Brom takes over this program, he's got 14 players already committed to this program. Uh, out of the 2023 class, he's got 11 signees now out of that 2023 class. All things can, and, and also he kept Pierce Clarkson. Kept Pierce Clarkson, kept Madden Sanker, kept Aaron Williams. He's got, I think, five four-star kids in this class right now, which is historically very, very good for Louisville. I think it's a, it, it's a win for Louisville football as it stands right now. I mean, on top of just every all the excitement of getting Jeff Brom and the, the surge he's put in this program, Never more has it been needed with the bad taste from last night's game in my mouth just to get it out of. You don't have to even bring it up. I, we're going to talk about I, it. I know, we I know we're going to talk about it, but I mean, imagine having to go through that as well. And then maybe we, if we kept Satterfield and we're watching recruits drop and we're not getting this excitement. I mean, this would have been like, like it's a wonderful life all over in sports talk version. Like for us, just like keep us off the bridge. I mean, it would have been, it would, it could have been a bad Christmas. God. I'm not a praying man. <laughs> you barely don't know Dabo. But <laughs> Dabo Sweeney, not a big fan of George Bailey. Not a praying man. He just pushes him. Everyone else likes him. <laughs> just, I wanted him to jump. He gives him a shove. Here you go. Let me help you see him in his likeness. What was Clarence doing? I wouldn't have helped him. Um, we, we will... All right, we'll, we'll go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, we can react a little bit more to this. Some of the quotes that came out from players today. We'll also take your thoughts. Well, I get to see the pictures that you did at Sears today in that sweater. You like, it's my Christmaca sweater. I wore it last year. You loved it last year, too. I did love it. I do love it. Was there, do you have any idea what Christmaca is? Is it like the fourth day of Hanukkah? It's a made-up holiday from the OC. Seth Cohen. Oh, you told me this, yes. Seth Cohen wore a sweater very similar to this. They sold it that year from J. Crew. I asked for it for my parents for Christmas. I wear it at least a couple times every year. I love it. 
It's fantastic. You're so cool. Yeah, I I, I feel so cool. <laughs> I feel very cool in the sweater. I'm festive. I'm feel. I've got the Christmas spirit. I'm all in today. What what is this, what is it? Christmas and what word combined was that? Just do Can you not figure it out on your own? Crispica. Crispica. What two holidays would that word be combining? The Hanukkah and Christmas. Yes. <laughs> I didn't see. I don't see where the Hanukkah is. <laughs> the Ukka. Uh, okay. His father is Jewish on the show, and his mother is is uh, a wasp. Ah. So they're very. He's he's combining the they two holidays stink. to make it one super holiday. Wasps have stinkers. Yes. Uh, we've got uh, 502-414-1450, now that I can finally finish that read, is the Thornton sex line. <laughs> Text in your thoughts. A lot of you have already done that. We'll read the rest of those coming up after the break. And while you're at it, make sure you download that Refreshing Rewards app. It's going to save you money at the pump. Every time you need to fuel up at one of the 89,612 area Thornton's locations. We'll take a break. More signing day talk coming back here on the Mike Rutherford Show. Keep it locked right here on 1450 The Big X. Back in Wednesday edition of the Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. Happy holidays to you. Hopefully you're not working. I know you're off school. We're barely working. I kind of miss Patrick. I know he's on holiday break. I thought he might stop hey, this one day. I, thought, you know, he's, he's in, I guess he only comes in here because it's better than going to school for him or whatever he has after school. But he's just he's taking off the whole well, damn holiday. He's time with the, with the missus? I guess. I guess. I mean, can't, can't pull away for like two hours? I don't know. I don't know. He just doesn't care about us anymore. I mean, really, he, gets, I, he brings Brom home. And that's all he cares about now. He's just I feel done. Like he used us. I feel like he kind of did. I feel like he kind of did. Feel, I feel slightly dirty. I feel like he kind of did. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. We're reacting to National Signing Day. We will talk basketball. No. We'll do that in the second hour. That will no. be the constantly checking my heart rate on my uh, Fitbit portion of today's show. But for now, we're focusing on the good, which is Louisville signing 16 players. We're at football school. Feeling good. I <laughs> I also loved so Jeff Brom got asked about the NIL the NIL question same one we asked him on Friday during the show Copycat. and he got some heat from Purdue fans for the answer that he gave I mean I'm just like my mentions are still getting lit up because State of Louisville caught it they're like Jeff Brom tells that card Chronicle that he doesn't want to give away Louisville secrets as it pertains to NIL but notes that the approach at his current position is far different than at Purdue. And all these Purdue fans are like, well, we all know Purdue does everything by the book. So he's just talking about Louisville's been cheating. They've been doing NIL for I'm like, oh, my God. That's these the Purdue best fans, come up with. They're so obnoxious. Yeah, every single joke is just like a joke that 
the dumbest UK fan has made 75 times in the last three weeks. Like, just strippers and, oh, you got the – you know, I guess we don't have strippers up here in West Lafayette. I'm like, oh, my God. And they're still yeah, going at no it. because no one wants to pay money to see your women naked. And so he got asked the same question today about it, and he was very like, – zero details. It was just like, you know, every school is different when it comes to NIL. Some love using it. Some don't. It's clearly part of the process, though, and we have to take it into consideration. Like, he was not going to say anything. But, I, I mean, what he was trying to say was, look, we know Louisville's been using NIL. We know that – it played a large role in getting some of these key figures in this 2023 recruiting class locked in, even some of the ones who didn't wind up signing. We know that there's Adidas involved. We know that Steve Clarkson's involved. We know it's it's above board now. Like, like it, This is done by the book. Purdue was in a different situation. They don't have the money that Louisville does when it comes to stuff like this. And that's all Jeff Brom was trying to say, and it came off as this sort of like nefarious, like, whoa, we know things are different here, and always Purdue. I mean, everybody wants to feel better about themselves. In a breakup, for instance, we can quickly quickly point out the fact that as of right now, Cincinnati is the lowest rated recruiting class in the Big Twelve. That's something that's out there. I just pointing that out for no reason whatsoever. But <laughs> everybody you had that one up your sleeve. For a everybody's minute, right? going to do stuff like that because <laughs> even when it's an amicable breakup, again, you want them to be happy. Well, everybody wants to win the breakup, right? You want them to be happy. You don't want them to be happier than you. Yeah, that's human nature. That's the way it goes. And, and so I understand where Purdue fans are coming from, but I think it's a little bit misguided. But Jeff Brown was not going to give them a another quote to run with today at all. I mean, Purdue fans just sound like they're the bitter ones that know that they're, the best thing they had just left them. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want to admit it until they do. They don't. Um, so, again, 16 players, 11 freshmen. Seven of those 11 freshmen are going to be enrolled early at UofL. That's always a good thing, including Pierce Clarkson. Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton sex line. Texter says, since his class is currently last in the Big 12, we'd love to see it. That was the first text that we got today. Bro, I, now, did that take we've all it, seen it now. Did that text bring it to your attention, or did you look No, I knew it. Oh, I had seen it before. It's been all circling. Right. It's been it's been making the rounds. We all see it. We all see it. Now, I mean, it, you, you can, can Satterfield blame that on the, the previous staff, I guess? In a no, way. I mean, that's what you do, right? It's It, it all comes— um, Unless you're Brom, who improves the class in the short time you've been here, then there's nothing to blame, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's all a matter of perspective. Texas says, did Trevor make this sign at Thoroughbred Lounge? This, I guess the you know, Thoroughbred Lounge, the, the outside sign, has always been— Kind of notorious. They, they put something funny. The sign right now reads, no good story starts with a salad. <laughs> well, the good people at Thoroughbred have always been a, a, a part of my heart. I mean, I've known a few few people who've worked there. And, yeah. Hit <laughs> <laughs> up the lounge, as we used to, used to say back in the day. Texas says, do you think that DeAndre Moore is waiting to see what quarterback we get in the transfer portal before deciding where he'll come in? I, I don't think that that's... As much of a factor as... I think it was a factor in him maybe flipping to Texas with them having Arch Manning coming there. Could be. I mean, yeah, maybe that plays a role. Although, you know, he and Pierce Clarkson are very close. They clearly had a, a solid connection this year, winning a, a national title and a state championship. Next thing we're getting our next Teddy-Eli Rogers combo. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. I mean, that w- Reverse roles in terms of who maybe he's the Probably. Yeah. That, that's probably safe to say. I'm probably shocked Eli didn't make it in the NFL, though. He, he did, but he, he had a nice stay, little stint when he was... stay healthy. Yeah, when he was, when he was going, he was, he, he was going at a yeah. pretty high speed. I think that it's more about, with DeAndre Moore, clearly both sides are offering him things. This is the way it works now with NIL. Well, yeah. But I think he, my guess would be if Jeff Brom, this is no inside info, this is just me kind of trying, trying to read the tea leaves here. My guess is Jeff Brom hears, 
he's going to Texas. He's going to sign on Wednesday. Calls him up and is like, hey, you clearly have an affinity for Louisville. You loved your visits here. You were locked in with the previous staff. Your boys are coming here. At least hear me out. At least ha- like, listen to my my pitch. And then apparently he talked to him back-to-back days. I, I, my understanding is he is Jeff Brom talked to him on the phone on both Monday and Tuesday. My guess is the second conversation was something like, you loved your visits here. At least give me a chance to get you on campus, and let's have a face-to-face conversation. Let, let, let me talk to you about what my offense is about. Let me talk to you about how I think you'd be featured here. And whatever was said by Jeff Brom in those two conversations was enough for him to at least put off signing with with, with Texas for however long this is going to take. A week, 48 hours. Could be. Could be you could wait till the next signing period in February. Yeah. You, you just don't know. But to me, like that's – I'm choosing to view this as a good thing. I'm not saying that it necessarily means that he's back towards leaning towards Louisville because clearly Texas, as of right now, is the front runner. But whatever the message was, it kept him from signing with the Longhorns today. So Louisville's still in the mix. Georgia, apparently, according to recruiting people, is also still in the mix. I don't know if he's just – could he just be doing this to create a bidding war? Of course. You never know exactly where these kids' heads and hearts are, but Louisville, as of right now, still in play. Texas says yeah, – I don't, it's, it's a link to a tweet. Yeah, it's, it's the Dabo quote. Everybody's sending in the Dabo quote. I've seen it. I've read it. I love it. It's incredible. Texas says. I'm shocked by it, though, right? Not, of course not. It's the yeah. most Dabo thing of all time. I don't. It reminds me of the Texas A&M yell, yell people, yelp. the yell, you know, the, the, the overall people, where you see it and you hear it and you're like, how do these people get five star recruits? Like, like, there's only so much money. I know that you're 18 and you're being swayed by gigantic NIL deals and the allure of playing for, well, with 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 Dabo, a national championship caliber program with Jimbo, the SEC, I guess is what you say. Well, I think I don't think they're being swayed by the the goobers and overalls. They're being swayed. That's by what I'm the, saying. But you could being swayed go, by the 150 people chanting their name. I mean, you could go elsewhere. Like, like I, I don't know how you overcome that. I, I like there's only a lot of programs that if you're good enough that are recruiting you. Our national championship good. A lot of programs play in the SEC. You could have your pick. Why would you go to one with the Yell people or with Dabo saying the things that he says on a monthly basis? It doesn't make sense to me. But they're clearly doing well for themselves. Oh, to me, I mean, Dabo's probably running. He, he, the, the dirtiness that's going on at Clemson probably makes Minority Hall look like a Sunday school class. By the way, Jaleel McClain uh, has signed with Louisville. The, the the third of the four St. John Bosco kids. Okay. He's not on the, the actual signing day list there because he signed a little bit later than he was Which expected was to. McClain? Yeah. I believe he's a defensive back. Okay. So him and Williams both defensive backs. Yeah. Um, McClain. I take it back. McClain's a wide receiver. Oh. Um, he's, he's the wide receiver. He played both sides. Uh, same with Williams, but he's a cornerback. Yeah. Uh, Jaleel McClain, three-star. Number 583 overall player in the class, according to the 24-7 sports composite, and is the number 84 overall wide receiver in the class. measurements. Trevor, I mean, you just pepper me with questions constantly. That's that's the thing that's most important to me when I think it's 5'10", 180. Okay, I can handle that. Um, Now I forgot what I was talking about. You were talking about John McClain and taking a trip out to the West No, that's not what I was talking about. (laughs) Texas says, uh, Jeff sounds a lot like Troy Aikman. Also, I would argue that we should be more grateful for Luke Fickle than the Cincinnati AD. If the former sticks around another year, the latter doesn't even have an opportunity to make a dopey hire. I mean, there you go. That's big, that big brain thought. Wisconsin too for firing their coach. I mean, you can you can go down that rabbit hole pretty deep. I'm just glad Barry Alvarez didn't like step in and take over the football program <laughs> for the 17th time. It's me. I'm back. <laughs> the only thing in that press conference in the, the Jeff I had to call BS on was there's no way he came in and was told he was the eighth quarterback his freshman year. 
at U of L. There might have been other quarterbacks on that roster, and I'm sure there were. There might have been yeah. seven more. But I, I can, I'll put dollars of donuts that says there's no way they told him he's going to be eighth. Yeah, that's yeah. I know he didn't start. I know he redshirted, but it was also behind a highly talented Brownie Nagel who came in from West Virginia. So yeah, for sure. Texas says I literally just listened to the D block ver- version of "We Built the City" on shuffle. Trevor saying this has to be a good sign one way or the other. We built this program. We built this, this program, program on, on N-I-L. <laughs> well, now, the, the Clemson version is we built this program on God's likeness. <laughs> Texas says, um, my God, my goodness, Trevor couldn't figure out the second holiday. That was pathetic. I didn't, this is, I didn't know. Texas says, Trevor, the Hanukkah part of the word is the part that is different from Christmas. <laughs> I thought it could, I don't know, maybe it could be Kwanzaa or something. What part of Christmaka would feature Kwanzaa? The uh? The uh? The uh? Texas, the NIL deals that Dabo apparently doesn't know about must be amazing for players to put up with, with his sanctimonious BS. Yeah. Oh, I bet you. You know he does yeah. the whole thing where it's just like, I don't want to know about it. Like, he's very much that coach. He was like, love this kid's game. Go get him. I don't want to hear the details. I mean... Does Deshaun Watson history not tell us one anything? I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Texas football could win a national championship, and Trevor would say, "Well, we did lose in basketball last night." <laughs> I'm. S- <laughs> We're not talking about basketball until hour two. I know, and, and, and well, I, we have plenty of time. But plenty of time. I, don't, we'll I, get I, there. I can't be a negative, negative Nancy. I mean, it's, basketball's. It's We're like, all aware. Yeah. We all see it. We all see it. We just don't need to acknowledge it right now. We got ten more minutes, then we'll we'll dive fully in. So it's like the like the like the like the the, uh, the, the mom or grandma at the family reunion where it's the commercial. When like the, uh, the the sons the like the mistress shows up, like we all know it's here. Yeah, just it's not break. It's keep opening gifts. It's that commercial where you're aging it. like your father. We all see it. We all see it. I hate, I both hate and love those progressive commercials because they 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 speak so much to me. Texas is at Christmas. You get eight days of gifts followed by one day of many gifts. I have a Yama Claus from season two. The texture gets it. So, so how does it work? You, so it follows the rules of, of Hanukkah for eight days of gifts. And then it, you get one day of many gifts. Which is it's day the best nine? Of bo- it's the best of both or holidays. Day eight. It's Christmas. Okay. It's a made-up holiday, Trevor. It doesn't actually exist. It's like the Festivus. I mean, do you still like menorahs? Yes. <laughs> they combine. They have Christmas trees and menorahs. They have Yama Clauses, Yamakas that are Santa's hat. Is it kind of sacrilegious? Yes, but it's a TV show from the early 2000s. What do you expect? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the OC. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Text says, so assuming the current state of affairs, is Pierce a real potential starter after eight months of prep, and does that scare or excite you more? I'd say, I mean, I would assume they're going to at least give him a shot to compete for the job, but Jeff, why not? Jeff coming out and saying, we're still looking at a transfer quarterback, says to me, and kind of confirms everything that's been said behind closed doors, that – They'd like to go get somebody in the portal that they can plug and play for a year. Who's going to clearly? They'd like to go get their own version of Devin Leary at UK. I like the way he kind of bounced around it without trying, like, like point blank saying that we're, we're we need an upgrade. He was just like, oh, you, you, people get hurt. You know, he didn't. He, he, he you know, he, we, we all know it's just we, it's a talent level that needs to be upgraded at this position, and you just don't want to say that point blank if you're the coach. And I mean, if Clarkson's good enough to come in here and start. The last part of that question is, does that excite you or scare you more? I'd probably go with scare just because 
while he's highly touted, he does not come with the same accolades that Lamar Jackson or Teddy Bridgewater did. And I, I, he strikes me as someone who's going to need a little bit more time than those guys did to kind of hit the ground running. And even with Teddy and Lamar, it's not like they came in and right away just set the world on fire. Lamar Jackson was in and out as a starter for Louisville. He was so bad that he was replaced by Kyle Boland multiple times. You forget that UK game where he saved the day. He didn't start that game. That was the last game of the regular season. He did not end the regular season as a starter. And the first time that we saw him really put together a complete performance was the bowl game in the Music City Bowl. And Teddy, you know, he gets his first start after coming in and you know, leading us to a come-from-behind victory in Lexington over UK. The next week, we lose to Marshall. The week after that, he gets to start at North Carolina. We score seven points, and the only touchdown came in the final seconds of that game. Like, it was it was a bumpy road for both those guys in their freshman season when they were thrown out there on the field, and they both wound up being starting quarterbacks in the NFL. If Pierce, I mean, maybe Pierce Clarkson is just that good, but at any level, starting a true freshman at that position more times than not goes poorly we'll just have to see like I would like to be able to ease him in to big time college football I think Pierce would be ahead of Lamar in terms of hype coming in too just because just not not only the yeah. just on the field I mean Lamar I just I can't I, neither of them both of them combined don't equal the, the hype that Teddy brought I mean Lamar was was somewhat hype but it wasn't just he's higher rated People just didn't know where he's going to play. Who's that? Lamar. Lamar was higher rated than Pierce. Star. He's a four star. Three four star. It's the same thing nowadays. Well, not really. <laughs> it is. He's a four star. He's a three star. He's a three star. Here's a four star. There. He's a five star. He's here. a four star everywhere. He's a twelve star there. Who knows? Um, but Pierce just. I feel, I feel the excitement with Pierce is not as much with just him himself individually, but the the cast of characters that were were coming along with him, or were hoping to come along with him. Yeah, I mean, Lamar, high four-star everywhere. He was the 17th-rated quarterback in Rivals, the 13th-rated quarterback on 24-7. So he's higher rated than Pierce Clarkson at the quarterback position. For the most position. part, nobody thought he was going to beat Will Stein at quarterback position. Well, that was Teddy. Teddy was Will Stein. Oh, okay, my bad. Yeah. Which, which uh, was it Bonifon? Who was the— Lamar was Gardner, Bonifon, and Bolin. Gardner, that's the yeah. confusing. Thing. And then I, I, I remember the staff being right away like, he's going to play. You know, we're just figure out how to use him. And then, like, the grad assistants t- telling me, like, He's going to play quarterback. Like, he's he's that good. And it happened very, very quickly. Um, but with Clarkson, I mean, he definitely has accolades. But he's smaller than both those guys. I think that the – there's still questions about you know, how the offense is going to look with him around. Do you – I mean, Jeff has said he wants a dual-threat quarterback. He certainly fits that mold. But he will have to run a different offense than he ran at both Purdue and Western Kentucky. Again, I think the best case scenario for everybody involved, and I think Pierce's dad knows this, is to have a guy, an accomplished quarterback, come in, run the team for year one under Jeff Brom, and then if Pierce is good enough, you hand the reins to him as a redshirt freshman. And I mean, who's to say Caleb Johnson doesn't wind up being very, very good next season? And he establishes himself as a competitor. Brock uh, Doman is still going to be around. He'll have a say here. He's, I think Brock Doman, best case scenario, is a very good backup or a solid backup to have, but look, if, if you strike out in the transfer portal and you don't bring in, he'll compete for that job as well. It's just you need to go out and get one of these guys. Yes or no, you, There's Lu- plenty of quarterbacks in the portal that can come in and start for you next season. Yes or no, Louisville's starting quarterback next year in day one is on Louisville's roster right now. No. I agree. I mean, that's the hope, I think. Yeah. Unless, again, unless Clarkson's just a lot, lot better Even than any of us are thinking right starting. now. Texas says, uh, I've heard the lounge. <laughs> Can't read that one. Come on, guys. 
What's wrong with thoroughbred? I can't read the text. Texas says, we don't have strippers up in West Lafayette because no one wants to see your, your women naked. Well done, TK. <laughs> I'm just, hey, truth hurts, man. I've been to West Lafayette. <laughs> Texas says, Trevor, quote, I don't want to be a negative Nancy. Proceeds to interrupt and insist Mike talk about our basketball loss on Football <laughs> National Signing Day. <laughs> Texas says, of the players uh, signed, who are we most excited about? Mine is Williams because he's an ounce like Sauce Gardner that looks out. I think that would be my answer as well. I think Aaron Williams is going to win. I think there's a solid chance that we look back three years from now and say he winds up being the best player in this class. I think he's very, very legit. I, I, I mean, I know he's the one that's he's, he's highest rated. Uh, I'm not sure now. Wasn't he, wasn't he like when I top like five or six corner in, in the class? He's up there. Um, yeah, I mean, when we signed him, he was, I would guess it was him or Stanquan Clark. Because I thought be when he committed, he he was he was our our top like highest rated commit. Well, Sanker's up there too. Until Owens committed, then I think he bumped him out or something or more committed. I mean. We had that happen a few times during this. Madden Sanker's the highest rated player in the class. Is he okay? But it's it's close. He's number 161 overall, according to 24-7 Sports, and Aaron Williams is number 177 overall. What, okay, but that's, not, that's overall, but not his individual position. His position, Sanker's the eighth rated high, eighth highest rated offensive lineman. Williams is the 21st rated highest uh, cornerback. I think he fell. I thought he was like top 10 when we first got him in. He's been, I think he's been about here. Clarkson's the third third rated player. Adonja Green is also a four star, and then Stanquan Clark is the fifth four star prospect in this class. Yeah. All three of the all four of those five of those guys are top four hundred players in this class. Yeah. Um, Texas says, Trevor Brom is a great coach, but wasn't the best thing at Purdue, like you say. He wasn't even the best coach at Purdue. I didn't say who would be the best coach at Purdue. I don't know. I don't know. What's, I don't know what's like being Pat Painter, that. Joe Tiller. What, what, what are you referring to? I don't know. We gotta go to break. When I mean, we come back, Killer was good, but I think we will. I think he's talking about on staff at the same time. Oh, we'll talk about uh, the basketball game last night because we have to. Then at four thirty, thankfully Keith Wynn will come in and save us and share his thoughts on National Signing Day. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, hour number two on the way next here on fourteen fifty and ninety six one. The Big Guys. You've got the better version. Oh, the Okay, good. I wrote in clean. A little nervous there for a second. Always am. It's been a while since I keep up. It's been a while since we lost the game of basketball. Solid week and a half. I think the first line of the song just sums up the basketball. What was the first line? It's been a while since I've been able to hang my head up high. Yeah. It's been a while. I'm proud to say I'm a Cardinal. It's been a while. You really are just we completely bringing down. The ball over as dumb as we can do. It's been a while. 
really setting the stage here for for the the second hour, which is where we're going to have to talk about the basketball game last night. I told night. you when you pulled up today, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I, every song I have in my mind thinking about basketball just leads me wanting to like run for the nooses. I told you find songs with sign in the title. <laughs> Clearly didn't do that. <laughs> well, I, can I saw the sign. I've already played Ace of Base. I do have nothing. I'd be fine with just playing that six times. Last time I played Ace of Base, we got this big neo-Nazi art debate. <laughs> I found things out about Ace of Base that I did not care to find Who out. Who knew? Who knew? The text line knew. They were very quick to pounce on that. I think you were more shocked there were two dudes in the group. I had no idea. You were like, I was like, yeah, he raps in one of them. My whole life thought it was an all-female group. No idea. Uh, last night, Louisville plays Lipscomb in basketball. That's enough. Men's That's basketball. I told you they were going to lose. I, I, to, I, I told you I know, at the end of the show know, they were going to lose. I, I think in your heart you knew they were going to lose, I but did. you wanted to, to – Play the good guy role. You picked us to win. <laughs> Got to have a baby face in the heel in all scenarios. I right? guess. And we come out last night. Hogan. We looked. Hogan didn't hook up. <laughs> we looked like the team that we've seen for 11 of our 12 games now. Careless with the ball. Although less careless last night than most days until the game was in its most uh, critical junctures. The LLS turnover when he just. Just threw it to nobody. Uh, did he and jump off just, his foot? Did he hand him the ball? I, I, that was the moment where I was like, well, we're done here. I, I, yeah. I mean, I was so embarrassed by it. Can I start off by asking you this before we get into the, the details? At the end of the game, were you shocked that we just gave up? There was like 50 seconds left, and we were down by eight. I was like, we're, I was like, we're letting them just dribble the clock out? I, I know. That, I don't know how many people were in the crowd. And at that point, less than they're probably They just started leaving. Game. You could hear people in the stands screaming. I thought I was seeing things. It wasn't I was like, coaching staff. You could hear fans yelling, why aren't you fouling? Why aren't you fouling? It was a joke. Like, Ellis comes down and hits a three, maybe. And, 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 and obviously he missed it. And the odds of him doing it are, are slim to none. But you, you foul. They missed the front end of a one-on-one, which is clearly possible. You had a three. It's a it's a it's a it's a three point game. I feel like I'm crazy for saying game. this. You try to win the game when there's still there's almost a minute left in the game. It, again, it's Lipscomb, not the greatest team in the world. There's a solid chance that they're going to miss some free throws or turn the ball over if you press them. And we just we almost did the thing that drives me more crazy than anything in basketball, which was when you need to foul early or you're in that kind of that that middle middle zone where you can choose to play out the defensive possession or you can foul. And some teams will, like, let 25 seconds run off and then foul with, like, three seconds left oh, of the shot clock. And we tried – like, Jalen Withers tried to do that. After we let them just dribble the ball, he, like, ran out at the guy and tried to foul him with four seconds left of the shot clock. They didn't call it, thank God, and Lipscomb shot the ball. But I was like – and then we just, like – we dribbled the ball out. We didn't even try to do anything. It, it blew my mind I that mean, we made no effort to win no, that game I mean, in the final minute. I mean, Ellis came down and just – Chucked up a three. Yeah, and that was it. And, and, and then, then we just we didn't try again. Yeah, and that was with what, like, I think 20 seconds left or so. We had, because we, we, we. They had the ball the entire last minute. And yeah, you're right. We didn't try to foul. And we took one shot at it. We had the ball with 54 seconds left. And L was like dribbling up. And Kenny Payne's great advice was to look at him and say, go, which I think then threw him into like a panic. And he just like launches a three. I'm like, yeah, we need to go. But like, there's a minute left. Like, run something, thought, get a good shot. I was thinking the minute was it was that. I thought the minute possession was when he just gave the ball to the guard, the other team. No, he, he no, that was before. That was the possession before. That, that was okay. the one where I was like, okay, there's no chance we're gonna win because my God, we we, we have no idea what to do in these situations. But the, the the shot with 54 seconds was when he jacked up the three, and then immediately after that, we did not try to foul them, which completely blew my mind. Well, he jacked up two threes in the last minute. Okay, I was I guess I blacked out. I mean, who else second. is gonna shoot? Yeah, just, well, I yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, 
He had 24 points last I night. Just... He's, he's, he's tr- I'll say this for LLs. He tries. And that's like more than you can Kenny say Payne's for some people. Game over here. I mean, that's what else do you want me to say? Like, I, mean, I mean, I appreciate. Kenny Payne more pissed in a post game than he's been all year last night? Was he? Was that him pissed? I didn't really pick up on that. I picked up a lot more anger than I think I have in the in the other ones. I I didn't really. I mean, it, it kind of sounded the same. The, I, mean, I just don't think he. I think that is him mad. Yeah, I mean, the big takeaway was him kind of saying like, I don't think that we were overlooking them, but like we're a little bit too casual. And then the the quote that made its rounds last night Withers. was Jalen Withers saying, I I think what he's talking about. There were some casual moments during shoot-around. There were some casual moments before the game. I guess that's what you're talking about if he's saying we're overlooking people. And, I, I mean, I don't have to say it. The, the fact that this team could overlook you, know, you and me playing them in a two-on-13 game is mind-blowing. Oh, I could get eight points on this team still today. But the fact that they were 2-9 and nine going into last night and they were an home underdog to this team that you're playing, and you're talking about potentially overlooking them, is just ev- a, everything that's wrong with the first month and a half of this season. In eight years. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's everything that's wrong with the first month and a half of this season. Like the, the mentality's wrong. The, everything's bad. What do you say? What, what else do you say? Who, 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 I mean, who, who, who's getting the blame here? Everybody, because I mean, I mean, I'm not. Listen, I I don't want to hear again more about how the team doesn't have talent. There's, there's, the, well, again, I, I I feel like a broken record here, but uh, yes, this isn't a Final Four caliber talent team. This is also a team that probably should be 500 or better right now, at least with the talent you have on there. So if that's the case, is it the coaching? It's everything. I mean, is it's, it, it? It doesn't get. I'll say it again. It does not get to an all systems failure level unless everybody is not doing their part. It's the players, it's the coaches, it's the head coach, it's the support staff, it's the fan. It's Louisville basketball, this is broken record Mike now, should never be in this position. I don't care if we're talking about being under the death penalty. I don't care if we have the TV ban that UK had back in the day. I don't care if we have postseason bans. I don't care what the deal is. To be 2-10 and 10 right now with home losses to Bellarmine, Appalachian State, Wright State, and Lipscomb, and those are not, these are not like generational teams for them. This is like Lipscomb, I mentioned four years ago, the team that we played with Chris Mack that, that played us damn close. Like they, we beat them 72 to 68. They wound up being number 43 on Ken Palm. They went all the way to the NIT championship game. That was a good team. This is one of the worst Lipscomb teams that they've had since they made the move to D1. Bellarmine, I think this is the worst team that they've had in the three years that they've been D1. Wright State will not finish in the top half of the Horizon League. App State won't finish in the top four of the Sun Belt. All four of those teams came into your place and beat you. And you have not, in addition to that, when you've played Power 5 conference opponents, you haven't stayed within 19 oh, points of any of them. I don't even want to think it about It should Thursday. never, ever, 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 ever be as bad as it is right now. And that's not a hot take. That's not me. To me, that is a simple fact. No, Louisville basketball, we've all watched this our entire lives. Again, 110th year this this program has played basketball. They've lost 20 games in a season precisely once. And now we're sitting here talking about, well, it's, you know, first year, growing pains, getting beat by 30 against every team with a pulse that you play is okay. Losing to teams that are barely top 200 in Ken Palm, barely top 250 in the net at home, that's okay. We're going to get better. 
It's not. Like, like, and I'm not even saying that things won't get better next year. I'm not saying that Kenny Payne is definitively not the guy. I'm not saying any of that. I am saying that even if, let's say, Kenny Payne rebuilds the roster next season, we bring in a bunch of transfers, and we're fantastic. We make the Sweet 16. We're good all year long. He shows his coaching chops. There's never a question. Even if that happens, it does not excuse what's happening right now. We'll forget about it. Don't get me wrong. I'll be happy to forget all about this, but it will not. There's no reason for us to be as bad as we are right now. None. And I'm not buying any excuse for any, from anybody who's saying there is. I mean, what do you do if you're Kenny Payne then? Because for three straight games, and first of all, I don't even want to think about Thursday. It's, I mean, yes, I saw what happened. The three games we played, we've got 18 ACC games in Kentucky left now. There's no, there's no, there's no more port in the storm. I mean, we're going to get beat by 40 on on Thursday probably if we if if, if, if the tri- our track record stands true the way this season has gone. But I mean, you're Kenny Payne. You're out here for the third straight game. Tell me about ever. At some point, do you just just take all four? You take Ellis, you take James, you take Curry, you take Withers, you take Brandon. Just say, sit, sit right here. Take them out. Don't even don't even play them the whole game. Screw it. I want to put people out there going to hustle. I don't care if it's Zam Payne getting 40 minutes out We've been there. saying this for five weeks now. Yes. And the answer is I mean, yes. I mean, it's all the fan base wants to see is effort. I mean, if that's the case, I mean, just just show it. Just tell, let them know that, listen, if you're going to, if you're going to just walk around here with your thumb up your rear end and, and act like you don't care. I mean, love of God, I, listen, I've been, I've been hard and I've been softer on J.J. Trainer. I never knew a man could be so bad defensively that he's actually worse at zone than he is man-to-man. I and mean, that's been a constant thing. He I mean, just, he doesn't know where he's supposed to be. He, he's completely lost. And, and then you list them in the press conference, and Withers getting beat. I mean, they, how many layups did they have last night? 38? The fact that we didn't seem prepared the what, for them to be a back-cutting team was – I mean, you, we talked about we, it. I you had and watched, I knew it was coming. I hadn't watched them play all year, and I knew it. <laughs> it was like watching the Bellarmine game all over again. They just And they never learned from it either. Like, it's like they think that after every back-cut, they're like, well, thank God that's over. They're not going to try that again. And we just, it was layup after layup. after. That was the thing that stood out to me about last night's game was a lot of times when you, most of the time, when you're a program like Louisville or just any power pro- program that loses to a mid to low major team on your home floor, there's like a glaring stat that stands out. There, there's something, they shot an abnormally high percentage from three. You turned the ball over 25 times. You couldn't make anything. There's nothing besides the fact that they, a much smaller team, out-rebounded us 40 to 26. Lipscomb did not go crazy. They were 8 of 27 from 3. They shot 49.2% from the field. Louisville had its fewest turnovers of the game. They had 10 turnovers. Louisville shot a not great percent. They shot 40% from the field, but it wasn't like atrocious. It wasn't like 22%. They outscored, Louisville did, outscored Lipscomb by 10 at the free throw line. The fact of the matter is Lipscomb was just better than Louisville. From start to finish last night, they got easy shots around the rim because they ran their offense better. Louisville did not get easy shots around the rim because their big men, once again, just disappeared outside of Curry from for stretches. Like, from start to finish, and this is what the analytics say, the, the rankings, any system you go to, says Lipscomb, which is a average team in one of the worst conferences in Division One, is just right now a better team than Louisville. And if you watched that game last night from start to finish, they looked like a better team than Louisville from start to finish. That is depressing as hell to talk about. Their best player, the kid that lit us up last night, was a no-star recruit out of the state of Kentucky who has spent the past couple seasons playing for Georgetown College at the NAIA level. He was the best player on the floor. He scored 23 on us. How many of those were on layups, I wonder? Well, he hit three threes. 
Okay, so the rest of Not those. The rest probably layups. I think he had a mid-range jumper as well. But, like, that's a kid that could not even sniff a scholarship offer from Louisville, and you watch that game last night, and you're, well, I mean, hell. But you watch that game last night, and you're like, he's the best player on either team. It it, it is mind-blowing that we are as bad as we are. I've never seen anything like it, and I hope to God I never do again. And that's, I mean, and it's all just, Attitude and men, it's all it's all just not just just attitude and mental mental thing. A lot of it is. I mean, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, and like we talked about yesterday, you hate to call out kids specifically, but at some point, there's no way to talk about a game without doing it. He came here. He has Kenny Payne's relayed the story a number of times. He came to Kenny Payne and said, "I want to be in the NBA at the end of the season. I want to play one year at Louisville. I want to become a draft pick. I want to be a lottery guy." And Kenny Payne says, "Let's make this happen." He looked invisible against a front line that, like, I love Asan Asadala's game. Who the, the guy who looks like he's thirty nine oh, years old? Oh, there's no way you're telling me. I, I, just, I, thought was, I thought it was Demarcus Cousins at first. I was like, is that Cousins? Did he shrink a little bit? What the, I mean? The, there's no reason for Asanala and the uh, Agnashevic kid to be making him look like a ghost in the paint. I mean, Huntley Hatfield, one of six last night from the field, four points, four rebounds. Here's, Did nothing here's, against here's, that front line. I, I like Huntley Hatfield. I, I do, I, too. I think he's got a lot of skills. He has a lot of potential. The, the, he doesn't know what he's doing. There's two things that, that are the biggest glaring problems to me for him. One, he's way too passive on offense. Like, I know he took – I mean, six, he's one of six. He didn't have a great day shooting. The fact that he only takes six shots bothers me. Like, there, I, 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 I know even if he's having a bad day, I want him taking 14, 15 shots. I want him right there with L. Ellis and shot attempts. Because I, I, just, I mean, he's taking 15 shots. I have a better chance they've been hitting more of those than I do having some other guys taking the shots they do. Or or maybe Ellis taking six more extra shots instead that are probably gun-up shots that are probably bad looks. The other thing he's awful at, and this has been glaring since day one, and, and, and the pro- it's a problem with Curry, too, is, and you saw it last night in the rebounding numbers, is he just doesn't know how to box out properly. No. And when a ball goes, and they're not out, getting better. He just, and this was a big thing in the. I think it was the Bellerman game where we missed. The, they missed the free throw and they got the rebound on us. You look, go back and look at that film. That was Huntley Hatfield not boxing out properly. They just stand and jump. And I don't know if he thinks because it's Linscombe or that was Bellerman or Wright State or whomever in those other certain games that his size and his his athleticism is going to mask over technique. And in some cases, it will. In a lot of cases, it can. And you'll see it in stretches. You saw it with Curry, for example, in the A&M game, for, you know, where he just he's just physically stronger and you're going to get 19 rebounds because of it. It's not going to work, though, when a team's smarter, that knows how to get around it and work around that. And is these Bellerman and Case, last night with Linscombe, these are teams that just knew how to get away around not being the most athletic and knowing that footwork and placing is, is as important as that. The other thing that we don't do and when it comes to rebounding, which allows teams like Lipscomb to, so to consistently out-rebound us, is like none of our guys – Tap out. Like we don't keep possessions alive. Like you know, we all we do is jump and try to catch the ball. There's no. I mean, Asadala is giving up inches to everybody in the front court, and he's just keeping possessions alive by just smacking the ball out to the front court. We were so good at that back in the day, even when Chris Mack was here. Like that should be a no brainer. That that's something that should be in your DNA if you've played basketball this long. And nobody on our team does that. Like we just, if we don't catch the rebound cleanly. We're not coming down with it, and they've got three guys crashing. We've got one guy. It's just all is maddening, and I don't, I, I don't understand it at all. I don't understand what we're trying to do. I don't. I mean, what's the point of being the fifth tallest team in college basketball if you're constantly getting out rebounded and outscored on points in the paint 
by teams that that have a front court that's like six five, six seven, six eight. Like they, I just, I don't know what we're trying to did, do. Did that, how did how, where did Fabio play four minutes though? Late in the first half. There's no, I, he I, missed two layups I, in I transition. BS. I, that had to been like a minute and a half. No, I he, think they rounded up on that. He he looked bad. He, it was a bad. Well, who didn't look bad? It was. I mean, he missed two layups that he probably should not. I mean, tried to do like crazy fancy layups in transition and. Got beat a bunch. He's, he's d- defensively, he's so far behind. I see Ellis do that nine of his 14 shots. I see James doing that. I see Curry. Do- what about the Withers fast break? Thank God it went in, but he just threw it, threw it up and just with a Hail Mary. And by the way, our what the hell were we thinking moment of the game, which we have won every game, right? We have I mean, like 17. The, the, the best. I know what you probably would think I'd give it to the Ellis just handing the ball to them with down seven with a minute left or something. No, to me, the, the what the hell are we thinking award was our actually our best defensive possession when we forced a shot clock violation despite the fact they got the ball with two guys under the rim and nobody near him. Yeah. We just we looked I don't even remember who the players were. I think it was Withers and, and Ellis. And then they come like storming at at, the, at them and just run into each other like it's a, like looking like an outfielder bumble play in, in major league. And they kicked the ball out. Thankfully they didn't just make the layup because that would have given them like thirty nine or thirty four of them. And they, we somehow got a shot clock violation out of it. And I thought our best defensive play of, of the entire game was just them just screwing with us. I've never seen a team, and I said, this last, I, saw, I said this last night, I've never seen a team that finds weirder ways to do the wrong thing than this one does. Like, they, they don't even screw up normally. It's just, there was a possession last night where, it seemed like we were finally we were getting the momentum back. It was late, and Mike James drives the basket. I believe we're we're, we're down by six at this point. Mike James drives to the basket. All he has to do is lay it in. He's got clear distance between him and his defender. He's blown by him, and just simple right hand layup right to the basket. You're right there. He slows down. It's like he didn't know what to do, and kind of like cocks the ball back behind his head. And then goes for a layup just like right at the rim, not using the glass. And the guy, he, he goes so slow and has so much meaningless motion in this layup attempt that the guy comes all the way back and makes an easy block. Lipscomb goes down to the other end. They hit a three. They go up by nine. I don't think we got closer than than six again at that point. But like, lay the ball in. It, you, you are a big athletic kid with a healthy chunk of distance between you and your defender, all you have to do is go up strong, use the glass, and put the ball in the basket. And then we're good. We're down four. We've scored the last five points. We're feeling like we've got momentum. We can beat this team. They're going to wilt a little bit. And we just... I I don't know why we just constantly do the wrong thing. I mean, I I thought maybe with, after the Western game, it, it kind of... You know, we, we, we just we, we got over that hump. You know, it was uh, we finally got in. We finally, you know, we our virginity was gone. And we, we now we know how to use the little motion in the ocean. You know, we we've, we've got it past that. We're going to we know what it feels like now to score. Did you really have to make that comparison? I'm just saying. <laughs> there are a lot of places to go with that. There are a lot of places to go with this team. And <laughs> not, not as many as I'd hope. <laughs> and I thought, you know, that was that was what it is. You know, you, you, you now you you've, you've seen the, the promised land. That's you know how to do it now. And and while the A and M game was sloppy, and we just felt kind of fell ass backwards into our second win, it's okay. We're we're gonna we're gonna we're get we we know what it, we know what it takes to win. Now we've seen it, we've done it, we've felt it, we've tasted 
It's kidney pain. We've seen it. We smelt it. We tasted it. Maybe you shouldn't use the first comparison now in this scenario with those, with those quotes. But nonetheless, and then we come into this game and we're just like Steve Carell trying to get laid for the first time again. We're like shooting condoms off our foot and hitting us in the eye. I mean, we. So, I want to throw this at you because we had to go to break in a second and get Keith went on to graciously talk about football. But mm-hmm. people, somebody brought this up to me last night because we came in here after the Western game. And the biggest thing that I, I kept harping on was. It's not even about the hot shooting. It's not about the fact that we scored 94 points. The offense looked great. They just played hard for a full 40 minutes. They gave yeah. effort. They looked like they cared. Well, they played smart, too. And bit. somebody said last night to me, they're like, going back and watching that game, I don't think it was really anything different. I think Western just had a bad zone defense, and we just made a ton of shots, and it made us look like we were playing harder. I think it was the same team. And I was like, maybe. I mean, my eyes told me that wasn't the case. My eyes told me that they were just – they were playing ass out for the first time all season and they were diving for loose balls and things that we haven't seen before or since that game. But maybe, I mean, maybe it was just because they were knocking down outside shots. Maybe it was just because they were hitting at a higher rate than we've seen them hit at any other point this year. But do you feel like we're to blame for last night's loss? How so? I mean, we were supposed to go to the studio and do the game. I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me. I mean, just, just keep in mind, we have, we have one good game we've played all year. It's the only game we did from... No, we've been over there for games before. We were over there for one of the games um, for, in Maui because we had all those games going on at the same time. We were over there for, I think, the the Arkansas game, the first game in Not Maui. Not we because I wasn't here for that. Remember, that was the week I was out. There was one game where I had to be over there. Okay. And it didn't go well. <laughs> Maybe it's because we both weren't there, though. I think there was another one where we were over there, too. I mean, it's possible, but... I don't want to go there tomorrow. That's what I'm trying. I'm trying to get out. I, I don't. I don't want to go over there tomorrow. Oh, I don't think it's even being through the studio can help us beat NC State. I've lost. I mean, I, I'm I'm back to where like I mean, I'm not even that high on NC State, and, and just they're not that good. And they're not. I mean, they're an they're average. Gonna, they're going to be an 18 point favorite. I mean, they're an average least. team. I mean, they're. I mean, there's not anything like they should. Be, they should be what we are. It's the team in we a should, typical year. We should year be where, nine and four going into a ten and three team. It's the team in a typical year for Louisville basketball. You say just take care of business against them. Yeah. And instead, we're going to be eighteen point underdogs. They are an eighteen point. Oh, we are. I mean, Ken Palm has it as eighty one sixty three. I'd assume it's going to be somewhere around eighteen. You lay the eighteen points on, on us. No. I mean, we're two fifty four in Ken Palm now. He has taken down our projection. I mean, we've only played three. He's taken down our win, predicted win total. It was six last night. It's now down to five. I mean, we've played three power five teams, and we've got just completely rolled up and smoked by all three. We've played more than that. We played I'm not forgetting. Arkansas, Texas Tech, Maryland, Miami, oh, and, Florida, Maryland, and Florida State. Miami, yeah, Florida. We've played five. We have not come within 19 points of any of them. Other than that, I feel confident about this game. Somehow, I, I just, just completely blacked out the memories of Miami and, and Florida State. Deservedly so. Those were <laughs> those may have been the two worst. I just like moved the them out of my mind. I just, it's like just completely. I went and got the internal sunshine gang. All right, we got to go to break. When we come back, we'll have Keith Wynn on the show. He's going to talk about the signing class today. His uh, sleeper picks. What surprised him? What didn't surprise him? His overall thoughts. That's yeah, coming your way next basketball. here on the Mike Rutherford Show on fourteen fifty and ninety six one The Big X. It's been a while. Don't pick up the phone, you know he's only calling cause he's drunk and alone Two, don't let him in, you have to kick him out again 
Ray from the uh, the music show party today. Oh no, we're changing we're changing gears. We got new rules. We're we got back new coaches. We got new players. We got new hope, and we got new voice to tell us all about it. I'm just glad we can stop talking about basketball. I just, I, I, just, I'm not I knew it was going to be bad. Lippy, by the way. I, I knew it was going to be bad after the first hour of talking just football. I don't really think I thought I. I don't think I realized just how much it was going to bring me down that last segment. But we got Keith Wynn now, deputy editor over at Card Chronicle, to talk about today's National Signing Day to bring the mood back up. Keith, thanks so much for stopping in, spending some time with us. I, I, I'm hoping this is going to work. The phone system is a little bit wonky here. Are you there? I am here. Yes, we did it. Trevor's a magician. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Suck your phone system. But he's here. You're not going to bring us down this holiday phone system. We're good. Uh, Keith is here talking about National Signing Day. If you haven't read his work over at Card Chronicle, He's got profiles of, of every signee. He's been breaking it down all day long. The Cards signed 17 players today, 12 of those members of the incoming freshman class of 2023. Keith, we'll start broadly. Your overall thoughts based on, I guess, what your expectations were for this day, maybe your expectations when Jeff Brom takes over as the head coach uh, less than two weeks ago. Is this a good day for Louisville football? Well, it's an outstanding day for Louisville football. You know, I, th- I think that, you know, a year ago this time I was – you know, we're we're having the same call, and I was kind of trying to defend a little bit of the naysayers about you know the the, the recruiting class that that feels like it that was kind of every year, right? You know, you you know you, there's some down feelings, and the rankings weren't so high, and some so forth. Um, you know, Louisville getting a bunch of four-star talent, a uh, bunch of guys who not only were rated highly by the recruiting services, but also had big-time offers from coaches who know you know what they're doing, and they they go out and they get good talent every year. Lowell was able to go in and get some of these kids who who those coaches wanted. So, you know, for Jeff Brown to be able to come in, save almost everybody from that class, especially the higher-rated kids, the kids that, you know, you expect to play early on, uh, you know, it's, it's now Saturday day for Louisville. It's a great jumping-off point for the Jeff Brown era to be able to bring in this talent and then bring in some transfers and still look, you know, you're still looking for more transfer guys to come in to fill those immediate gaps to keep this momentum going. Uh, after after a good season. Louisville loses a, a couple of players to flips. They bring in a couple of, of players as flips. They add five transfer players, including a couple that had not been committed to UofL before today. They keep Pierce Clarkson. They've got three of the four St. John Bosco kids signed now. In your estimation, what's the biggest story of the day for the signing day for Louisville? Does it just one story stand out about above the others? No, it's hard not to, you know, look at, look at Pierce Clarkson. I know, you know, he's been around for a long time you know, in the class, and sometimes, you know, the guys that commit earlier, you know, they lose their luster, but Louisville got a four-star quarterback. Uh, you know, the most important position in every recruiting class is always your quarterback, and they got a guy that, you know, is a top-ten guy uh, by a lot of the rankings, an Elite 11 quarterback, uh, made the finals for the Elite 11, led his team to a national championship. I mean, in a normal, you know, situation, this would be, you know, the easily the biggest story just by the simple fact that he'd be the number one guy, you know, but they were able to go out and get some other guys, but that's also because Pierce Clarkson and his leadership and his, that alpha male, you know, uh, personality that he's been known for uh, to get guys to buy into what he's selling. That's part of Louisville being able to recruit these guys. That's part of Louisville being able to hold on these guys. That's also going to help them going forward because I think he, you know, guys just gravitate to him. And I think that him being the linchpin of this, this recruiting class is still the story to me, even though it was a story back in you know February, March, April after you're committed, it still remains a story to me because he is the key as a quarterback. You have to get those, you have to, you know, be you know, you have to do well from a recruiting standpoint. And they were able to do that in this class. 
let's talk about the one St. John Bosco player who did not sign with Louisville today, and that's DeAndre Moore. A lot of speculation out there. It's, it sounded at the beginning of the week like Texas was a, a done deal. Steve Wolfong reports that, uh, that Jeff Brom reaches out to Moore on Monday and Tuesday. They have conversations. Moore now does not sign with anybody today. What do you make of this? Any shot now that Louisville still winds up landing DeAndre Moore, or is everything just a little bit too murky to say right now? I think it's impossible to really know. I mean, you know, I think the one thing left lost in this is that you're, you're talking about teenagers, 17, 18 year old kids who, uh, who sometimes, you know, it's impossible to really know what they're going to do. I know that NIL is a factor. I know that, you know, obviously, uh, there's all kinds of things. His, his friendships with the guys in the class, especially Pierce Clarkson. He's got, uh, guys at Texas that he's, you know, bonded with. Hell, he's got, he's got his old coach out of Georgia, uh, that he, you know, that he, that he you know, thought about going and playing out there. I think that you know we kind of lose sight of the fact that yeah this is a big this is a big decision you know and 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 I think NIL gets maybe a little bit overblown it's going to play a factor but at the end of the day he's still going to want to go play somewhere where he wants to be uh, his brothers on the roster here at Louisville you know like I said his, his his friends have all signed he's got Jeff Brom as a coach now an offense that's going to be more suitable for him I think that is part of what I I have a hard time with thinking that he's going to kind of pass up on that. Uh, but at the same time, like I said, I don't think anybody really knows what's going to happen. Uh, but I do think that Louisville's still in it, which is always a plus. If he, you know, I, I came into the day just expecting the flip to Texas. Uh, I know that there's a picture of the placard with Texas on it at the at the signing day thing. Mm. Uh, I can't help but think that that means that Louisville still has a shot here. The fact that he was maybe looking to sign with Texas today and then change his mind maybe or is thinking more on it, uh, I think that's just going to be hopeful for Louisville. Let's talk about the five transfers who signed with Louisville today. Jimmy Callaway, the wide receiver from Tennessee. Um, Stephen Heron, we, we knew about that one coming from Stanford. We've got uh, Ronnie McGraw, the sophomore transfer from Penn State. Devin Neal from Baylor. And then Jaden Thompson, who's a flip from Cincinnati. Which one of these guys do you think can have the biggest impact for Louisville next season? You know, still, still waiting to see if Miles Slusher uh, signs. He's the only guy that hasn't. I don't, I don't know if they've announced yet. He's the guy that I'm most excited about. Uh, so I'm hopeful that, you know, nothing's really holding up and it's just a timing thing. But out of the five guys that we do know about right now, uh, you know, obviously Stephen Heron's the guy that, you know, you really, uh, you know, he fills a really immediate need with guys like Yersir Abdullah and Yaya Diaby leaving. You're going to have to replace that with some with a known commodity. And, and you know, Heron put up 40 pressures on the quarterback last or, or this year. Uh, I think for context off the top of my head, I think Yersir is somewhere around 55 or 60 going into the bowl game. Uh, so obviously not, you know, not your Sir Abdullah, but a guy that you can bring in and you know what you're going to get out of him. You know he's, he can rush the passer off the edge. He played almost the exact same role for Stanford that he's going to play in Louisville's defense. So that just that transition should be very easy. And then you know he's got the veter- that veteran mindset, leadership, guys who've been out, a guy that's been out there playing back home. You know, obviously you know got his degree at Stanford in I think three years. So pretty smart guy. You know, I don't think there's going to be an issue from uh, you know picking things up. And I think you can you can plug him in and know what you're going to get. And then you have these other guys in that front seven that Louisville's bringing back, the young guys that played well this year that can help him. And as well, in, in flip-flop, he can help them be better just by having better players on the field together, which we saw a lot with the defense this year. We're talking National Signing Day here with Keith Wynn of Card Chronicle uh, on 1450 The Big X. The, the other player that I think was on flip watch, you had Stan Quan Clark, who's always remained technically committed to Louisville, but throughout the process has been talking about the other schools that he's also considering. It's the classic uh, modern-day recruit speak. He does hold firm in his commitment and winds up signing with Louisville. How big of a deal is it to get this four-star linebacker out of Miami? 
Well, I think it's I think it's huge. Um, Louisville's losing a lot of linebackers from a depth standpoint, from a starting standpoint, uh, and I think he's one of the guys that can come in and play early because I think he's got a he's got a nice build to him, and he's a guy that played safety in high school, moved down to the linebacker spot, has enough size that's you know six one, six two, two fifteen ish. You know he's going to be here, and that that the the big plus is that he's got he plays fast, he plays a lot of speed. Uh, and that's one thing that always is a, is a big part of the transition is, you know, if you can come in and you can run, you can play. We see it on offense all the time, especially a wide receiver and running back. It's the same on defense. You've got to be able to play fast. And I think that's one of the big things with him. And I think that there, he, he, fits, he, he fills a need because, you know, they've lost uh, Debo Jones to, to the portal. He, he ends up in Cincinnati, a guy that we expected to start next year. Uh, we're still waiting to see completely if K.J. Coyd is coming back or not. You've seen reports that he's, he's removed his name and seen that he hasn't. I don't think he played the bowl game, so it's kind of hard to know. But either either way, they're going to be relying on young guys anyway. So Clark can come in, you know, push for playing time, and I think he has a, a, a high level of talent uh, that will help him get on the field early. But more than that, I think it, it just refills those coffers where you know you have some young guys that you're going to be able to develop that are highly talented players. You know, we've seen Jalen Alderman make big plays when he was a freshman. T.J. Quinn is a is a redshirt freshman that played really well in the bowl game. You've got to be able to have those young guys that you know you can develop down the road. And Stan Quan Clark comes in as a guy that you're you're going to be starting, you know, on second base, so to speak, because of his talent level. You've profiled all these guys for Car Chronicle today. You you've been following this for a long time. Who's one guy in this class that you think that maybe fans and everybody's just not talking enough about? Adonijah Green. Uh, defensive end from uh, Georgia, uh, the first commit of the class. Uh, I think he committed back in December of 21 uh, and stuck all the way through. Uh, but Auburn, or sorry, Ole Miss, uh, and a few other SEC schools, Nebraska really wanted him. A uh, few schools tried to flip him, especially late. But he's six foot six, about 205, 210 pounds, which I know sounds kind of crazy, more like a basketball basketball player. And he has a basketball kind of body because he's long and lean. But he's put on a little bit more weight. You can see that it's it's kind of you can see him filling out a little bit more. It's going to take a little bit of time for him to get there as a player, only because of the fact that he's so light. But this guy can bend around the edge. He's fast. He knows how to use that length to keep blockers off of him. This is the next good pass rusher that we're going to see for Louisville. And I think that because of the fact that he's learned how to use his body, I think there's a chance that you see him get on the field next year. As one of those guys, like we saw Popeye uh, Williams this year, like we've seen get you know a handful of snaps a game here and there, and maybe play four to six games to just get him out on the field, get him acclimated. But he's going to be able to work on his body. He is a to me the biggest sleeper in this class. You know he's a four star, but you know half of Louisville's class is four stars now, so that's it's a little bit different to to kind of look at it look at it that way. But I don't think he's really. I'm not sure if the fans really know. Uh, just how good this kid could be because he's just played at a high level for a really good school down there, but he's really learned how to work, how to use his body to his advantage. And as he bulks up, gets a little bit bigger, I think he's going to be a guy that can turn into a star. You heard Jeff Brom in his press conference at, at three talking about, you know, they, they still have some guys out there that they think are going to sign on their own time. They still have some guys that they're working hard on. They're still trying to address some positions of need outside of quarterback. Cause Brom did say they're looking to take a quarterback in the transfer portal so outside of that position, what position do you hope the staff really focuses in on when they're trying to build this roster for 2023? 
You know, I think they I think they need to get a tight end. Um, I think that's something that's a key part of Jeff Brown's offense. He's been able to, you know, there's been a couple guys who get on the NFL. Uh, I think Bryce Hopkins is the next one in line uh, who, who was there this year. Uh, I think they've got to really strengthen that, that position. They kind of like those taller, big guys. They're waiting to hear from Jamari Johnson, which maybe is who he's hitting towards with that comment because he he's supposed to announce in January, but the signing period only lasts till Friday. Um, so that's maybe a guy, but, you know, you don't want to really rely on freshmen. I think they've got to get a tight end. I would like to see, depending on what happens with DeAndre Moore, maybe another wide receiver. Uh, and I think linebacker's a spot with what they've lost. You still have to look at that. I know he wants to look at quarterback. I know he wants to look at offensive line. But there are still a couple more gaps. And one thing that to keep in mind, coaches have the ability to get just back to they get they have the ability to get back to 85 scholarships now. The rules have changed a little bit. So he's going to have as, as many spots open up. He's going to have those spots to, to fill with transfers. And I think he's going to be aggressive. I think he's going to look to fill those gaps to make sure that he doesn't go into this year. One of the things we saw this year is you know Louisville's wide receiver position just got depleted. You know, one injury and then a couple guys get hobbled, and next thing you know, you're, you're relying on, you know, guys that haven't really had a lot of experience. So I think that what Jeff is going to look to do is make sure that he's looking through the roster and finding those gaps and holes to make sure he fills even with depth. And a guy like uh, Rodney McCray, who is a defensive lineman from, from Purdue – or sorry, from Penn State, he's only played 12 snaps in his career. But you, if you feel like you know that he can, he can maybe uh, be be a, a contributor for you. That's a good guy to take in the portal to build your depth. Because Louisville's lost a couple got a couple defensive linemen to graduation, and they've lost guys to the portal. So instead of looking to take on a, a high school kid who you don't think can play right away, go out and get a guy in the portal who you know is, has the body to play, has been in the strength and conditioning, uh, and, and has played the college level. So you can plug him in as a depth piece so that you don't have to worry about okay we lost the guy who am I going to play you still have now you have another guy that's played at the power five level I think he'll look to do that a little bit more throughout the roster speaking of wide receiver you know we've got the two transfers coming in the one from Cincinnati and the one from Tennessee now we still don't know what's going to happen with DeAndre Moore but you do have three freshmen at the wide receiver position who are already signees in this 2023 class with Foles uh, Hicks and McLean out of those three are we talking about any one of them that can be potentially an impact guy or a guy that can get on the field as true freshman next year? Yeah, I, I, it's, it's funny because I think that the, the most likely is actually uh, Hicks, the kid from uh, Miami Northwestern, only because he's, he's insanely fast. And, and when you have speed, we saw this Maurice Turner, a lowly rated you know, guy coming out of high school, a uh, little bit undersized out of, out of high school. He gets here, he bulks up a little bit, puts the weight on, and that speed is a difference, right? You can put a guy out there. If you can run, you can play. And I think that's that's what Hicks has above all. All everybody else, he's the lowest rated guy in the class. Still a pretty you know pretty decent gift for Louisville. But that speed is a difference maker. Uh, Fowl, uh, William Fowles is a guy I really like from a long term standpoint. I would love to see him you know come here and really show out and get on the field. But you know he just doesn't you know it's just harder as a freshman to just get on the field unless you can have something that separates you from everyone else. Hicks separates himself with his speed. I can see him being a guy that they look to just get out there and maybe he can have an impact even as a returner, as a guy in the slot, a guy that they do some gadget stuff with. We saw what what we've seen what Jeff Brom can do with those smaller slot receivers. Obviously, Rondo Moore was a star for him. 
he has that ability to get these get the ball in their hands quickly and let them work in space. And Hicks is a guy if you get him in space, he can outrun people, and that's a that's a difference maker. It, it's super tough, I think, for any true freshman to get on the field like we're talking about. But it, it's especially rare to see it happen on the offensive line. And yet, Louisville has Madden Sanker, a guy who never wavered and who is the highest-rated offensive lineman to ever sign with the program. I mean, is he good enough? Is he big enough to, that, that we're going to see him on the field next fall as a true freshman? You know, uh, I think that's that's where Louisville's depth or lack of depth uh, at, at, at offensive line plays a factor. Um, you know, when losing Luke Kandra to Cincinnati, a guy that was supposed to step in and start next year uh, and really kind of keep, uh, you know, really just leave them with one spot open to kind of fill. Now you've got a couple spots you've got to fill. We haven't seen a lot of the other guys, the younger guys in Louisville's offensive line room. Uh, you know, even though they're playing eight and nine guys, most of those guys are either left or they're going to be starting. So now you've got to fill those spots with guys we haven't seen yet. Madden Sanker will be here in January. He's a guy that has the size, 6'4", over 300 pounds. He's a guy that has the mentality. Uh, he's an athlete. He's a state champion wrestler and everything. I think that he's going to have every opportunity to win a starting job as a freshman. Uh, I think at the very least, depending on how Jeff, Jeff does things with his offensive line. Obviously, we saw with Scott, Scott Satterfield, they rotated offensive linemen all the time. That was something that they, they did that not every team does. Now, Jeff has that same mentality where he wants to have seven, eight guys that can play. I would be very surprised if Madden Sanker is not at least in that rotation in some way, shape, or form where at least gets on the field some this year. Uh, but I think long-term, I think it's a no-brainer. I think he's got everything you're looking for in an offensive lineman to be able to be a guy that should be here as a starter long-term for uh, for the Louisville. We haven't really heard a whole lot about Kewan Brown, the former Purdue commit who took a visit right after Jeff Brom got hired. He does sign with Louisville today, uh, running back, three-star prospect. He's the number four, 43 running back in this class, according to 24-7 Sports. I mean, how good is him? He, how good is he? He's a smaller back, kind of of that – quick back variety we've seen some of those have success in recent years here at louisville is he a guy that can really help louisville whether it's this year or sometime down the road i think so i, I think he you know you put up i think he put up almost eight thousand yards and 84 88 touchdowns in in georgia playing six double a ball i mean that's that's you know playing in some of the best competition in the country uh and he dominated so you know anytime you can do that you you, you have to at least assume there's a chance that this guy can be a good one down the road. You know, I think the other thing is that, you know, in any other year, you know, he'd be one of the highest rated running backs that Louisville's been able to bring in. You know, everything stepped up this year, and some of these guys that maybe seem like, well, they're just they, – they seem okay, we'd be thrilled about a year ago or two years ago. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's something that I've had to at least, you know, you know tell myself that, you know, oh, well, they're just okay. And it's like, well, God, these guys would be great, you know, you know, two years ago. So – um, I think he has the size, about 5'9", 5'10", about 195, 200 pounds. The thing that really I really liked about him when you see him running in high school that you don't see a lot of guys uh, have this ability is he has patience. When he gets to a spot and he's setting up blocks, reading what's going on, and then making cuts, that's just something you don't see from young guys. They usually hit the hole and they're just trying to run as fast as they can. You know, I think he shows an ability to, to, to really read things and see things and that's kind of an exciting aspect of him because he can run. When he gets to open field, he's outrunning people, he's making people miss. But how he gets to that point is really exciting because that's not something you always see with young guys. 
He's Keith Wynn. Read all of his signing day stuff over at cardchronicle.com. He's been working tirelessly to make this happen. He, he's the best. Keith, can't thank you enough for the time and, and all as always, all your work over there at CC. I appreciate it. You guys have a good one. All right, Keith Wynn knocking it out of the park as he does every national signing day. He, I mean, the we always do – signing day has kind of become less of a big deal for sites like ours in recent years, and you see traffic kind of waning. on the, It's always still one of our biggest traffic days of, of, of the entire year. It's because Keith does such extensive work there. I mean, even – like that being true this year is one thing when people are excited about Jeff Brom and excited about having a, a recruiting class that right now – is top 25 good. They're number 23 overall, according to on three. But he was doing it with the Satterfield recruiting classes. When we were like, when people were like pissed off that we're like number 45 and we're getting all these three-star prospects and we're beating out Troy and Southern Miss for guys, Keith was still putting up gigantic numbers at the site because of all the hard work he's doing. He's the best. So check out all those reports over there. Uh, anything stand out to you, you there, Trev, with the conversation about the recruiting class? Uh, or were you just sleeping for the last 30 minutes? In and out, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I, I was I was on Twitter. I was like I was kind of got, I got thrown for a curve. I didn't even see Franco Harris had passed away recently. Today, this morning, yeah, yeah, I saw. That. I was like, wow, it's so weird that like, in three days they're retiring his number. And the, I know like, I've been seeing nothing on the NFL NFL Network's been pushing this whole immaculate reception thing. So that was just kind of weird timing. Uh, not to go off topic already, which I do on a regular basis, but um, so that kind of distracted me. But the, the, actually, two things this took out one. And I missed to hearing the name, but the defensive end he talked about from Georgia, I think he said it was the six six kid. Adonisha Green. No, yeah, yeah, that one. That 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 gave me a little bit of a uh, little bit of Titan pains thinking about that mm-hmm. and the way he described him. But the other thing, I, and, and I almost kind of jumped in on this one was, and I know he doesn't fit maybe the size mold that I know he was describing, and I get. But when he talked about like needing a tight end, I thought, I think we've got one of the best tight ends in the country, and you're going to see that next year in Marshawn Ford. Like that one, I mean, maybe he just doesn't consider him a tight end, and I know he's not listed technically as a tight end. Probably just as like a H back or whatever. Mm. He's a tight end. I mean, let's. I mean, let's be honest. He is a tight end, and so I, I think. Uh, but but I get where Keith talked about. Like when you look at Jeff's track record, he morally likes to go for the guys that look like Dan Schultz and Dan Arnold in the NFL. Like you're six six, two hundred and thirty pound guys. You're like uh, the Dame. Uh, the kid that's the recruit coming out now with them, Phantom or Parnum, whatever. He's like six five, um, and Marshawn doesn't fall into that. He's six two, probably on tippy toes, and you know. So, but I think he's going to be someone who will excel in that tight end position area in terms of like you know where he is in the offense, whether he's considered a tight end or not. That one kind of was like, I don't know. That that was where I was like, I don't think that's as much a need. Maybe it's maybe depth because he'll be gone maybe after this upcoming year, but. Not something I figured. I assumed as a need. Yeah, he's. And the issue is we keep losing all the tight ends, the highly touted guys that we've been recruiting. And the latest is Jamari Johnson is still committed to Louisville, the four-star prospect. Was that is that the kid that also played baseball? No. We, okay. You always ask that whenever we talk about tight ends. He's he's long gone. He's going to USC. Oh, okay. that was Deuce Johnson. That's well. See, I was close to the names now. Jamari Johnson. There's a lot of talk that he's going to flip to Oregon. They've been putting on in Oregon had a huge day. On signing day. So it's kind of like the DeAndre Moore situation where him saying that he's not going to sign today actually kind of feels like good news for us because with all the the push that Oregon's been making, you kind of got the sense that if he was going to sign somewhere today, it was going to be with the Ducks. But uh, him now saying he's not going to sign until January maybe gives us more of a chance to you know, hear whatever their pitch was to counter it. But you'd love to get him. He's a big-time prospect. He's a four-star tight end that Virtually everybody's been after, so to keep him would be a big time deal for. I assume he falls under more the 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 Brom stereo, 
stereotype tight end of being like six five, six six type guy. Don't have the measurements in front of me, but okay. yeah, that's probably a safe bet. I think yeah. he's probably six five ish. Um, he does like the bigger tight ends, larger, like you said. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, that's what the it's just football in general now. I mean, the Cal Pitts effect, I guess well, you could say. It's hard, also hard not to like tight ends that have offers from Alabama and, and Auburn and everybody. <laughs> it doesn't matter how big they are. <laughs> Typically, those guys can play a little bit. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back. Hey, I know walk-ons from Ballard that can play a little bit. When we come back, we'll recap our signing day talk. We will also dive back into the basketball waters because we have to. Uh... We have not heard from you about basketball since we talked about it for the 30 minutes and then got back into the conversation with Keith. So 502-414-1450, if you want to weigh in, do so there. Before we break, though, reminding you, if you have heating problems, oh, the storm's coming. I saw in Cheyenne, Wyoming today, between 105 and 125, a span of 20 minutes, the temperature dropped from 43 degrees to 3 degrees. There's a 40-degree drop in 20 minutes. That's coming our way. Tomorrow, Friday, it's going to get nasty out there. The high on Friday currently is 5 degrees. If you have heating problems, you, 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 can't, you can't last that out. You can't last out a 3-degree storm. Call our guys over at AirServe. They're going to have technicians available even during the holidays 24-7. Call them any hour, any day at 502-264-9662. They'll be able to come out to your home and save the day. You can also visit them online at airserve.com slash Louisville, A-I-R-E-S-E-R-V.com slash Louisville. Or again, the phone number, any hour, any day, 502-264-9662. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Hour number three is on the way next. Keep it locked right here on 1450 The Big X. Welcome to the 5 o'clock hour of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. National Signing Day is upon us. We spent most of the show talking about this because the alternative is having to talk about basketball, which we will do a little bit today. But noteworthy news just breaking right now. Jack Plummer, quarterback who started his playing career at Purdue with Jeff Brom, transferred out to California, has entered the transfer portal. He is a true grad transfer, one year of eligibility remaining. A lot of buzz, palpable buzz even. Like Dustin a baggy buzz. That this is the quarterback that Jeff Brom is going to bring in for next season as your starting quarterback for 2023. It would certainly fit the mold of what the rumor has been for basically since Brom took over the job that they were trying to do. Land a quarterback, one-year guy, starts this year. You can give Pierce Clarkson some snaps. Caleb Johnson can play a little bit as the backup. Brock Doman, if he's good enough, will be your primary backup and then hand the reins over to Clarkson, hopefully, who's ready to go as a redshirt freshman in 2024. This would fit that description. Now, Plummer, the numbers were fine last year. He tossed for over 3,000 yards, 21 touchdowns, 9 interceptions on a not-great Cal team. I watched them play against Notre Dame. I was kind of struck by this guy. It seems like this kid has a lot of arm strength, but he was constantly under pressure. 
Not a lot of weapons around him. I think that's what you have to hope for as a Louisville fan. Um, fairly highly touted coming out of high school. No relation to Jake Plummer. Yeah. Despite Always he, comes up. Because he's from Gilbert. He's from Arizona as well. Yeah, you're thinking like West Coast kid, Plummer the last name. He played Jack, in, Jake. Grew, it seems like it's too good to be true. Grew up in Arizona. Jake playing for the, the Cardinals for all those years. Yeah. He, I mean, in his last game out, and he missed some time this year with injury uh, at the beginning of the season. He had injuries. Is Purdue he's been yeah, he's, oft injured, but that's the, the case for a lot of these quarterbacks. The transfer portal right now. His last game out played a good UCLA team. Tossed the ball. I mean, they threw it a ton when he was healthy. Tossed it 34 times for 294 yards with four touchdowns and no interceptions in that game. They lost 35 to 28. But he is again big arm, kind of prototypical Jeff Brom type quarterback. He's going to be a pocket passer. If he does wind up coming coming here, very solid get. I think we would be. All of a sudden, you start to feel like this 2023 team is, is taking some shape, and you're, you're liking the way that it's looking. So keep an eye on that. I know we all thought Austin Reed was a done deal. Turns out that wasn't the case. Do, do we, this sounds positive. Sorry. Do we do we close the door on, on, on this and be like, okay, we've got our quarterback. Let's focus. Our, our, do we need do we need another do we need someone else in the transfer board to go along with Jack Plummer? I would assume if you're getting Jack Plummer, the message that you're giving him is you're our guy for this year. You're our quarterback. And I think that he's not going to come here if he's not the guy. No, I just two things. Two things worry me. One, health, and B. Can he? Can he be the guy? I mean, he was again. Health was an issue at Purdue, but so was the numbers. They weren't. They weren't mind blowing, and they were solid last year for a Cal team that what was two and ten. They won when he, with games that he started. They were just two and two and six. Okay. I mean, I don't think they won two games out of year. I think that was the only two games they won all year, right? I have no idea. Yeah, I, I think they were. I mean, they were bad. I know they were. So, the numbers for him though are good. I mean, they're solid. Again, against USC, they lost forty-one thirty-five. He's thirty-five of forty-nine, four hundred and six yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He can put up some numbers. He can. There's a reason why they built their offense around him. The offense was not the issue in a lot of these games that you're looking at when it comes to to, to California last season. So they were four and eight, by the way. I think right? four and eight. So I mean, he had. Some experience going into the season at Purdue. He's, he's put up decent numbers wherever he's he's been, whenever he's played. I think that you feel good bringing Jack Plummer in for next season. I mean, I feel good. I just don't know if I just don't want to have to go look at somebody else as well. Well, the thing is, nobody else is going to come. If, if you sign Plummer, you're signing Plummer as a starter. You're not going to go get somebody else who's going to just compete for a starting job. They want If you're in the transfer portal right now and you've been a starter at your past program, I mean – Plummer's the guy at Cal. Like he's, if he comes back there, he's the starter at a power conference program. He's not going to leave for a job where he's going to have to compete for the job or where he's seen as like a potential backup. He's coming to Louisville to start if he does come to Louisville. And I think anybody else who you may be targeting knows that. I guess I just, I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying you have to go out and get a, you know, a, a Dennis Leary level along with him, but. There, there, there's so many quarterbacks probably in this portal. I think there's somebody else you could possibly help bring in just as per competition or just, again, as a safety net for the fact that Plummer has had health issues. I think the safety net, though, if you're looking Maybe at it, is you've got three other scholarship quarterbacks on Caleb, roster, yeah. which is uh, compared to recent years where we've had like one scholarship quarterback on roster and then I guess two if you count Evan Conley, who I think is still with the team technically. Evan Conley, I guess, is still technically with Louisville. I would assume that that's not going to be the case for long. But even without Conley, you've got Brock Doman, who's, I think, a serviceable backup. You've got Pierce Clarkson, who you hope is the future. You've got Caleb Johnson, who's very much a wild card right now. That's four scholarship quarterbacks. And then you've still got uh, Nathan McElroy from Trinity, who was 
the primary backup at times this year when Malik Cunningham was out, who you feel solid about as a potential uh, fifth string. And look, Jeff Brom loves walk-on quarterbacks. He, he, I wouldn't don't say you isn't isn't me. I have no I have no confidence in the Trinity kids. No, that's that's you. <laughs> I wonder how much you do too. I mean, for all I know, you, you constantly usually get his name wrong. I don't even know if you got it right this time. Or it's not. right. That's time I, I finally mastered. <laughs> yeah, it. He was very good. In I high don't school. know. I don't, don't ask me if you got it right. I don't know. Well, you, I mean, you don't know like Malik Cunningham. So you just called Devin Leary Dennis Leary. <laughs> don't tr- you don't trust you with any names. <laughs> Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton sex line. If you want to weigh in with your thoughts on football or basketball, we'll get to you this hour. Um, also, if you want to weigh in with your thoughts on – I saw Jason Riley of WDRB was trashing simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Like, we just talked about this yesterday. If you want to talk about that, we can do it. Um, do you have – I mean, I felt comfort. It's one thing for you and I to come in here and be like, this is a great day for Louisville football. We kept most of the class together. We also brought in <clears throat> some additional players from Purdue, flipped some kids there, brought in some transfers that are going to have an immediate impact. It made me feel better, though, that Keith was like, this is a fantastic day. This is an outstanding day for Louisville football. Because Keith, I mean, he's not going <clears> to – he's going to call a spade a spade. He also just knows more about recruiting than you or I do. Oh, yeah. And for him to come out there – like, this is a, as it stands right now, this is a top 25 recruiting class. Louisville's never had that before. And for Jeff Brom to be able to hold it together to this point – I think is a look. The first two weeks have gone very, very well with him on the job. Uh, and would we like call a spade a spade if it if they weren't? Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would have no problem saying if Jeff Brom had lost his class completely and replaced it with a bunch of two and three stars that this is not a great start. And you just have to hope that he's just that much superior in X's and O's and kill the transfer portal. But that hasn't happened. He's kept a lot of the four stars on this roster on, on this um, incoming freshman list. He's brought in guys a position of need. This is going, as of right now, this is going very well. We're off to a good start. It's kind of the anti – here, I'm going to do it again. It's kind of the anti-Kenny Payne start where you're like, oh, I just kind of – I'm just trusting in KP, but we're not getting any of these guys. It's not going well. We're trusting in JB, and we're getting some guys. This is a, a very, very solid ground to start on. Plus, we have we have a track record that knows JB can get the best out of players where Kenny Payne was still a mystery and – of God, 10 games in, it's still a mystery. 12 now. 12. Has <laughs> it been 12? <laughs> Not enough. Yeah, at least we're closer to the end. I just saw this. Uh, we talked about recruiting. I didn't. Uh, Satterfield landed the kid out of Florida. Which kid? Emory Jones. Who's that? Quarterback that lost his job to Richardson. Oh, no, I did not see that. Yeah, apparently he. They got three quarterbacks now. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, he's a mobile kid as well. And um, I know. This is a long shot, but I just just glancing through the transfer portal, not to go off topic, but just name. I didn't realize Grayson McCall was out there too from Coastal Carolina. It's been a long time, yeah. We talked about them on the show. Do we bring his name up? Yeah, you love him. I do, and I would love. I mean, I he's not coming here. I know <laughs> he's not, and I, I think he's being linked to like Florida and mm-hmm. Alabama and things like that, and rightfully so. Uh, but yeah, his yeah, yes, I do. I do have. I do have a do have a fixation for him. I think he's a very good college quarterback, but. Um, no, I'm very excited about this recruiting class. I mean, and obviously DeAndre Moore is one that, <clears throat> I mean, the fact I can get his name right should tell you to the level he plays at. But I, he's one that I would definitely love to keep. But, listen, I, again, like I said yesterday, I mean, between watching, like, you know, the bowl game and just it's just, just watching a different eye, like the bowl win and seeing the players stick out. In the last four years before Jeff Brom got here, I'd watch that and go, okay, that's good, but. I mean, are we gonna? How much better can we get? I mean, I, I don't. I, how much? I don't really trust the staff in making players better than I'm already seeing and getting the most out of them. With Jeff, I believe in that. 
I've seen it firsthand being done at Purdue and at Western. And when I see what we, we you know, what the glimpses of what we get coming back in that bowl game, as little as it was, mixed with just the, the seeing the three and four star kids and hearing Keith talk about the impact they can make and knowing that I, I trust the coach that we have. I mean, I, I, I again, I'm like, I'm like a schoolgirl who just, you know, had. And Jake Ryan look at her, look at her across the street and, and smile while standing next to his car as I leave the wedding and my sister who's all hopped up on drugs, like I that that's the excitement I get. I don't care if you forgot my whole family forgot my birthday. Jeff Brom is my Jake Ryan. It feels good right now. We're in a good spot. Does anybody else? You got my reference, right? Of course. Okay. I'm curious how many people are like, "What the hell is this dude talking about?" I think most people are listening to. Okay, it. good. I, I hope so. If I not, sometimes you go very obscure. That's not you even never obscure, know, right? I you mean, know, I don't think it's pretty mainstream. Okay, good. I think we're good. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's next line. We'll let you guys take over here. Can you picture me with like sitting with a cake across from Jeff Brom? Like, it already wish. came true. It's already come true. <laughs> I can't. Can I get – we got to get our connections. Can we get me and Jeff to film that? No. Like, I would do that in a heartbeat. The, you would love it. The fan base would immediately lose faith in Jeff Brom. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yes. Texas says, look how many recruits followed Fickle from Cincy and look how many followed Sat from Louisville. I can't stop laughing at those Cincy fans thinking Sat was a master recruiter and they'd flip all those kids. If they did, they weren't just they simply weren't paying attention to what was going on because you've got kids coming out and saying definitively on the record, I did not commit to Scott Satterfield, I committed to Louisville. And so the notion that he was gonna like get Ruben Owens and DeAndre Moore and Pierce Clarkson to all follow him to Cincy was it was never going to happen. He gets he got a couple. Um, they got Raquan Atkins today to flip, but for the most part, yeah, it was not a fickle to Wisconsin type situation. Texter says, "Can we just talk a maximum of two minutes of basketball and then get back to football?" Didn't we talk about two minutes of basketball at least? This is early in the show. I'm trying to get uh, back to some text okay. we haven't had to yet. We we caught we covered that two minutes, I think, right? We we made like 25. Two minutes. It's two minutes. That's not. That's it 90 felt like seconds 40. more than we we played well last night. Texas says, my favorite part of the broadcast last night was complimenting Louisville for only having three turnovers in the first four minutes of the game. They also, I don't know if it was Jody or Ken, I can't remember who it was, they were like, they also said, they said it again, like, they were like, only three turnovers, and it was like in the second half, and I was like, that's not right. I was like, we have, it's low, but it's not that low. And then Kent absolutely threw the, uh, the, the jinx when he was talking about how, how few turnovers we have and how, like, under control, LLS has played right yeah. before LLS throws the pass to absolutely nobody. I was yeah. like, that's on you, Kent. That was you. I mean, they also point out the fact that it's n- the turnover, while they were seemingly low, which is depressing that we still play the way we do and only have not 10 turnovers. Season low? Is that those 10 turnovers also produced, like, I think, what, like 14 points for them? I mean, they scored almost every turnover. They also came at the worst possible time. Oh, it's like, the timing, yeah. They we, brought that, and Ken, I think Kent or Jody, one of them brought that up during the broadcast as well. Yeah. We had 10. Three of them came in the last 90 seconds when we just – could not get anything of note out of our offense. Texter says, Kenny not having a great time with fouling in late-game situations. Cough. Right state. Cough. Yeah, I mean, I just... I mean, it was a whole minute to play. I don't understand why how you just wave the white flag. Like, if you if it was a one-possession game, that's one thing. And I guess we were only down five, so it's, you know, you're one shot away from one possession. We're down eight. I thought it was five. I thought it was 72-67 at that point. It was, it was eight. It was, seven, it was the final score. Nobody scored from that point forward. J.D. Trainer misses a jumper. We let them play it oh, out. Oh, we didn't score the last three and a half minutes of the game. I know. I we, we let them play it out. They missed a shot in the lane um, at the very end of the shot clock. Then we came down. L shot a meaningless three, yeah. and then we let, the, we let it play out. So, yeah. Okay, I was thinking it was five. Then. It was eight, but still. I mean, if it was five, I would have been even more mad. But it, even with eight, 
there's almost a minute to go. Like, if you foul, they miss a shot, we get the ball back, there's 50 seconds to play, you can hit a three, there's 45 seconds to play. Yeah. That's plenty of time. We You see wins like that all the time. Not all the time, but you see no, frequently in college basketball as opposed happen. to other sports. Like It can ha- it happens almost on a weekly basis. A I team mean, blows a six, eight-point lead in the final 90 seconds I mean, or so. Sit down. It happened to a, a first-year coach that we had here one other time. Yeah. I was at that game. That was the game where I smacked Church on the back to him to stand up. I don't Boy, think that actually happened. Oh, I did. I was drunk I that don't game. believe you at all. Because I got to sit in the Papa John's box that game. Texas says, I laugh at TK saying that he could get eight points on them, but cried because he actually might be able to do it. I just said, I know it is. I'm depressed that I could score eight points on this team. Texas says, what talent, Trevor, what other team wants any of these players? Oh, I, I disagree. I think there's there's lots of teams that would now, would they take him as an impact number one guy? No. But if you're if you're – you know, a coach out there looking to add depth or even maybe fill a, a fifth or fourth or fifth spot. I mean, Withers, Curry, Huntley Hatfield, Ellis, even James would. Uh, yeah, there's there's power five teams that would line up take any of those guys. I mean, I know recruiting rankings aren't always on target, but almost all of these kids are four star prospects. Yeah, I mean, Huntley Hatfield was a five star prospect. Like, unless you're saying like the recruiting service just missed on all of them. Like we we just got as unlucky as you can possibly be. I mean, Kamari Lands. Is the top 50 player in the last class. L. Ellis was the number one junior college player in America. Huntley Hatfield, again, was a five star when he was originally in his in the yeah, class. Yeah, I, mean, I can watch in. these kids and tell you there's talent here. I'm not. I'm not stupid. I, exactly. I, I know basketball. I, I know there's talent there. Now, is it the, the best of it being brought out in these kids? No. It's not where it should be, and, but it's not two and ten bad. And listen, I'm not trying to, to throw Kenny Payne and say this is all on him. I think it's a majority on him right now. Is in this coaching staff was what I've watched throughout the season. But a prime example of that is to say Craig East or uh, Rush East, excuse me. Like when he leaves Louisville, I guarantee you 99% of people are like, who would want him? Well, guess who wanted him? Kansas State and his first team all Big East. And he's playing in the NFL right he's now. He's playing in the NFL or all Big Big 12. I mean, that's, yeah, there, there's, and and that's, and if you want to turn around with that statement and say, well, then are you saying this is all in coaching? I, again, I'm not denying that I think a majority of it is. It's on everything. I, I, I mean, the kids need to come out, but at some point, these coaches need to figure out what to do to do, to turn that light on or flip that switch. That's part of being a coach. I'll, say it, for the, coach I'll, I'll say it for the millionth time. When it's this bad at a place like Louisville, it's on everybody. The players aren't yeah. doing the right things. The coaches aren't doing the right things. Nobody's doing the right thing because it should never, ever, ever be this bad. And so one thing that I'm so me. sick of hearing, and I, I'm going to lose my mind if I keep hearing it because people, you know, I'll tweet stuff after the game. I, I'm not coming out and being like, Kenny Payne sucks. Like, he's terrible. And people will still take it as that, and they'll be like, these players are awful, and you thought Kenny Payne could be the Messiah. Somebody said that to me last night. And come in, nobody, The only people out there who were saying when he got hired that Kenny Payne was the Messiah are the same people now who are accusing other people of expecting Kenny Payne to be the Messiah. And it was a small group. The vast, vast, vast majority of this fan base was hoping this could be an average Louisville basketball team. And nobody, whether you thought Kenny Payne was the Messiah or you thought Kenny Payne was going to be the biggest disaster in the history of Louisville basketball. Nobody expected this team to be historically bad when the season started. Don't You cannot rewrite history. You cannot say that everybody expected this. You cannot say that you anticipated home losses to Appalachian State, Wright oh. State, Bellarmine, and who the hell did we even play last night? Um, Lipscomb. Doesn't matter. And 19-point-plus losses to everybody else on the, on the schedule. You weren't saying that. Nobody was saying that. And if I had come out there and predicted it, 
you would have called me the biggest hater in the world, said I didn't know what I was talking about, said that we were going to play with these all this size. Like, do not rewrite history. You can still have faith in Kenny Payne long term and acknowledge that this is way worse than anybody thought it was going to be and way worse than there's any excuse for it to be. I think both those things can be true. I think you just said the word Messiah five times, and it's the first five times I've heard it said on the show. Somebody said it to me, and I was like, I, I was like, do not try to tell me. If I heard you call him a Messiah, that's something, dude. That, that's one of those things that sticks out to me because I'm going to turn around and use it against you. Well, it's, it's all these, and I know you these, the straw man arguments that are out there. Like you guys expected him to come in here and go to the Final Four right away. No, <laughs> you cannot make that leap. You cannot say that there were the some, fact I'm that sure. I'm mad that we are too intent and getting our asses handed to us by average teams from the Atlantic Sun means that I expected him to come in here and take this roster, which won 13 games last season, and turn it into a Final Four contender? No. At the very least, I expected us to be in the ballpark of last season, which was still maybe the worst team of my lifetime. I didn't. People were furious when I was saying this is going to be a bottom five team in the ACC, and they may win 10 to 12 games. That was my prediction. And people were like, That's, you're just a hater. You're saying this because you didn't want Kenny Payne to be here. And now that looks like a dream scenario for this team to win 10 to 12 games. And I, somehow I'm still, you expected him to be Final Four? No! I was the one saying that it's not going to be pretty in year one. I still didn't think it was going to be in the vicinity of being historically bad, which is where we are. This team makes history every time they take the floor, with one exception. And it, there's no excuse for it. I mean, if anything, I was more optimistic than you. I thought 14-16. Yeah, you did. I mean, you said you thought we were going to be And I kid you not. I look you at this, thought we were going to be above 500. And you know what? I look at this team. And I have, there's no doubt in my mind this team should could easily could be a 14 with 16 win team. They could be. I, I know they could be. Right now they should be nine and nine and three or nine what or nine and nine. We should be going into with all the losses should be probably th- to be Miami and the three Maui games. Those should be our only losses right now. Texas Mike, the whole all the fan base wants to see is effort thing is garbage. That's a sign of how far we've fallen. Not once during the Patino days would have effort just been acceptable. The bare minimum here is making the tournament and winning games. Oh, I'm not rewriting history. I'm saying with where we are right now, being 2-9 and nine and having no shot whatsoever of making the NCAA tournament, at this point, who cares about how the product looks? Like, just play hard. Like, just with the season already being a lost cause, that's where I am. I'm not saying that this is an acceptable record for Louisville basketball by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying that the lowest bar that we thought would be cleared with bringing in a new head coach, whether it was Kenny Payne, Mick Cronin, Jay Wright, the ghost of, you know, whoever, All we, the one thing that we thought would be better than last year was it was always going to look like these players gave a bleep. Like, they were going to play their asses off for 40 straight minutes because we did not see that enough last year, and it drove everybody crazy, and that has not happened. And if you can't get past that first step, none of the other steps in the, pro- in the process of getting back to being Louisville basketball are going to happen. That has to be... Step one, and we haven't seen it, and it, that's what drives me more crazy than anything else. I mean, I've said it, uh, on, I've been said on the show, I've said it for years. I mean, when it comes to defense, I mean, defense is in, in energy and in, in intelligence. Same with rebounding. I mean, it's an energy and intelligence. So you don't, you don't have to be the, the most skilled player, the biggest player, the most athletic player, the big, you know, you don't have to squat seven hundred pounds and bench four hundred. Give him some respect, hand some Jimmy. You know, you you have it's an energy, it's showing energy and having intelligence. And this team right now is a sloth who got hit in the head with a, with a tack hammer. That, that's how this team plays defense. 
I don't even care if they're doing the wrong thing sometimes. If they were just doing it full speed, it'd be so much easier to stomach. And then you would say, we can work on this. They're that, not bringing either. That part they're of it can get better. They're, not they're in the wrong spot, and they're not playing hard. And if, you, if, you're, if you're not playing hard, the second part of the equation almost doesn't matter because nobody's going to be able to see the difference. And it just the fact that it's not getting any better through a month and a half of the season is extremely alarming to me. In which case, Texas says you, these are not – go ahead. No, I was going to say, in which case, again, I'm sit a kid. What's worse going to happen? We're going to lose a game. That's what I'm saying. That's my whole point. Oh, God. God forbid we're going to lose a game we're not supposed to lose. That's my whole point. We already ate them. We already did that eight times. That's what the Texter's responding to. Like, that's garbage. Well, in a normal year, yes. But at this point, if we're going to lose by 30 anyway, give me anybody who's going to play hard for 40 minutes. I mean, you saw it last year. Leak was as important to this team as anybody. He He got benched. Texas says these are not horrible basketball players. Most were four-star recruits. This should be a bubble season for this team. Instead, they'll be lucky to win 10 games. Rough year for Louisville basketball fans. Oh, we ain't going to win 10 games. I mean, I kind of I, – I laughed at the awful – at the time, I thought, awful joke that was out there after the Bellarmine game where people were like, who's going to win more, the football or the basketball team? And I was like, I mean, come on, guys. Like, you see this everywhere. It's a simple joke to make. At the end of the day, the basketball team is going to win more games. And now it's a very valid question. The football team won eight games. It does not look like we're getting to eight wins. For the record, simple does not doesn't mean it's not funny. Still, I mean, knock knock jokes are as good as they come. They're uh, pretty simple. I mean, some like, just because it's low hanging fruit. Don't get mad. I mean, it's not. It wasn't funny though. It was just like if if you see it seventy five times, then it's not creative or or funny. That's the problem with this. Why you need to stay off Twitter? Too. No, they, they, it ruins good jokes. I mean, you get bombarded with 90 people going, hey, I just thought of this. I don't think it's a good joke to begin with. But it's also not a joke anymore because it's, it's very valid. <laughs> it's, it's I mean, do you think that we're going to win eight games this year? No. I don't either. I I'm, mean, I – I feel like we're going to get – Where? Where are we going to get eight? Where are we going to get – where are we going to get six more wins at? Well, besides Kentucky. Um, <laughs> well, okay. And then where are we going to get the other five? <laughs> outside of Kentucky. I God, feel if like, we beat Kentucky, I'm gonna, I don't – I mean – They'll fire Cal that week. They'll get rid of him. Like they already hate him right we now. We beat Kentucky and don't win another game the rest of the year. That might be the last. We could end Cal's career if we beat him on At New Year's Eve. At this point, the way I felt this season is going, I may trade only getting one more win the rest of the year to beat Kentucky. Cal might Chris Mack it if if they lose to us. Like the fan base would get so visceral and so annoyed because he's on his way to Texas. He'd probably just leave. He, he'd he'd be gone. Yeah, he did take the Texas job. He's going to Nova. That's, that's how he's going to end his career. <laughs> I think that my my real prediction. I mean, six wins feels like I feel like we can get four in ACC play. The ACC is not good. And you're going to have. Ten, yeah, but we're the worst of it. We are. You're going to have some teams that just give up, although it seems like we already kind of are one of those. Four, maybe. God, this is such a depressing conversation. I, mean, we, I stand by. I think you, we're going to get four more. I mean, we saw what happened against Florida State, right? Oh, yeah. I saw Miami, too. Yeah. I mean, well, but at least Miami's got talent. I mean, I don't know what the record is off the top of my head about now. They may be underachieving, but. Florida State comes in, and Florida State is also just, I think, trying to find their way. There's some talent on that team, and I, I'm, I don't hate Leonard Hamilton, but they're obviously in a, in, a, in a slump. But, I mean, Georgia Tech and Pittsburgh, the two teams that stick out the most, I mean, hell, we lost we lost to Pittsburgh last year. I mean, these teams, I mean, the league's not good. And and say what you want about passengers, he's at least going to get his team to, to try and show yeah, effort. I don't know about that. More than we've seen. That's not saying anything. Oh, well, you know, I mean, it's true. I think we're going to win. I'm, I'm saying, I'm sticking with it. We're winning four games, four more games. Texas, the season is what it is. We need to get rolling on the recruiting trail to get some life back in this pro- program. 
Otherwise, there's nothing to really to talk about. The issue there is, I mean, 2023 recruiting's done. Like, like if you're thinking, if you're hoping for this to be markedly better, and we all said, we're, I'm not going to let anybody rewrite history because everybody was on the same page when this season started. Year two, we need to be in the NCAA tournament. People oh, yeah. will people will put up with the growing pains in year one, new regime, and all this stuff. But year two, this is Louisville. The millionth time I'm going to say it's Louisville for God's sake. Year two of a new head coach, you should be in the NCAA tournament. No negotiations. No recruiting restrictions. No NCAA stuff. Nope. There's nothing holding you back. You should be good enough to be one of the 68 best teams in the country. And as of right now, there's not a whole lot of evidence pointing to this thing being significantly better next year because you've got two players coming in in this 2023 class. They're both back into the top 100 kids. They're four-star players. They could both be fine college players, but they're not – the type of difference makers that we thought Kenny Payne was going to land. You've got the transfer portal out there, which That's, is great, yeah. except you've already seen him swing and miss a bunch in his first go at the transfer portal. And that's the only, if we're going to be NCAA tournament good next year, the only route to making that happen is killing it in the portal. I mean, the only thing, I mean, and again, this is just me going to play devil's advocate with you, but whether I believe it or not, but let's just say I'm the, I'm, I'm the Kenny Payne butt slapper. I'm trying to be optimistic still with this. When you say it, and I agree with you, even in that scenario, me playing this role, it's, it's a transfer portal is where this team has to improve its depth or upgrade its talent from this year's team going into next year because the recruiting class is pretty much done. And that, yes, he did swing and miss with that going into this season, but we don't have that cloud going now going forward with the, with the transfer portal that we did have going into the season. I, that, I mean, that's the thing that everybody's throwing out there. I mean, that's again, I think that's, it's that's the, the most... best way I can be optimistic, though. I mean, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be blind blinders on Homer fan, that's the that's the. I, and you know, you know what the counter is there, is that five other schools had the exact same cloud hanging over their heads, I, and all of them got guys. Yeah, but they're not Louisville, and they're better than we are right now. <laughs> is reason is bad, by the way. I don't know what's going on there. I mean, I just I know this is a, just off the topic, but you just, when you said that, it clicked in my head one of those schools being LSU, and then the fact that I mean, this kid's not even getting on the court. I mean, what what, what are you going to tell me? He's he's not going to give effort. <laughs> I mean, are you okay with Kenny Payne throwing Withers under the bus the way he did in the press conference? What did he say specifically? He said he just fell asleep and gave up way too many back doors and. and and called him out for the, not having the leadership. To, to I don't think that's throwing him under the bus. I think that's calling a spade a spade. Well, that's exactly what happened. I know it is, but sometimes it, it's looked at as. I said calling a spade a spade like five times. Oh, I'm say, sorry. No, you say it all the time. It's your I favorite apologize. go-to. I apologize. It is your go-to say. Um, no, but I mean, still, you can know it, but sometimes it's just it's like the unwritten rule. Maybe the coach you don't you coach you don't you don't say it specifically calling out the individual player normally. But you're okay with that, with it being in this situation? Yeah, I mean, because I don't think that's throwing somebody. I think throwing somebody under the bus is sort of a, it implies that it's just an undeserved thing. Like, you're like, hey, it was this guy's fault. When the reality is anybody who watched this game last night knows that Jalen Withers kept getting beat backdoor and that it was inexcusable and that if he was paying more attention, he wouldn't have let it happen. I think that. Would you? Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with him saying that. If you were there, would your question, follow-up question, have been, Coach, why did you leave him in the game? I mean. I mean, why did he play 32 minutes? He played a little bit more than he should have, if that's the case. I mean, it wasn't like it was only him. He played 25. I was, was going to say, I thought it was I thought it was way less than that. Still. It was less I mean, than usual. I mean, we only ran seven guys, really, because Bobby only played four minutes, so it didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, it was there, was there was nothing good about last night. Texas Mike, don't look now, but Jan is hiding out by your car with a baseball bat that says positivity on it. <laughs> Poor Jan. 
Jay can't even Jay can't even be positive right now. We have beaten the positivity out of Jan. Oh, uh, Jan's still positive, I guarantee. Has it. she she tweeted? I haven't checked it out. She probably she has not tweeted at me. I mean, I think I think she's I think she's gotten so she can't even be positive for this. I guarantee she is. She was positive when we were 0 and 9. That's how this whole thing started. And then <laughs> and she got a taste of the good life, the positive life. And then even even the AM and now last night, she's she's done. She's 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 giving up on the positive. We have beaten Jan, the positive. That's just sad. Now here's Jan. I'm, I'm gonna look at her profile. Okay. Right now. Let's, let's let's see what Jan had to say about last night. Not tweeting at you, but just she's at not her tweeting at me. Oh, she's she's back to she's back to follow me. She refollowed me. Well, that was nice. After unfollowing me, I'm at 1,032. By the way, she. I mean, you're killing it. You're growing every day. I'm I'm coming for your number. Um, <laughs> she has not tweeted since December 17th. Which would have been which game? Which. That would have been this. That have been the AM game, right? Yes, this this weekend, Saturday. Yes, yeah, so, yes, yeah, so the AM game beat the beat the positivity out of her. She's done. She's done. We gotta go to break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show. But that's not we'll take some. Playing. We'll take some text on the Thornton text line at five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. Before we break, though, reminding you, if you have financial needs, First Bankers Trust is the only place to go. The only place uh, in the city that's going to put you first. Their services. Start with helping you meet your financial goals individually. They offer a wide range of services, including investment management, trust and estate services, philanthropic services, and financial planning. If you want more information about what First Bankers Trust can do for you, visit firstbankerstrust.com. All the info is right there. Not losing to Lipscomb, reeling in top 25 recruiting classes, having extra money around the holidays. It all starts with one word, folks. That word is trust, First Bankers Trust. FirstBankersTrust.com. We'll take a break. We'll come back. More text, and we'll wrap up the show here on All right, final segment for the Wednesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1 won the Big X. It is uh, tomorrow. We're back at it. Another game day. Can you hear the excitement in the voice? Cards will take on NC State tomorrow. We'll get excited for that. Tonight, we have the women's basketball team in action at DePaul. 8.30 tip-off there. The men couldn't get the job done against the Blue Demons last year. Here's hoping the ladies can get it done tonight. And we can. DePaul fans are in my mentions after every single Louisville loss. Like, they just – the amount of motivation, I guess confidence they got from beating us last year on our home floor, the floodgates have been open and they've never stopped, despite the fact that DePaul is not good. They were not good last year. We still lost them at home. They're not good this year, and yet they still – after every loss, they just tweet me, Louisville Day, Louisville Day. And 
I need something to shut him up a little bit, and hopefully Jeff Walls can get it done tonight. Because the yeah. women's basketball program for the ball has actually been pretty good over the yeah. years. Yeah, we beat them last year, I think, didn't we? We made the girl cry. I think that was two years ago on the bench when we be, like they were number I think like nine, and we were number three, and Didn't we we, blow them we out? beat them by forty five. Yeah, I think. Yeah. It was a classic Wolf of the Paul game, and then Chris Mack ruined it. Now, not much else going on tonight. So will you be uh, will you be joining me to watch a little AEW Holiday Bash tonight? I will not be. Uh, we've got we've got Batch Five and the Best of Seven between Death Triangle and Elite. Oh, okay. No disqualification match tonight in this in this matchup. They're I haven't doing, asked this in a while. Does Orange Cassidy still have his belt? He does. Okay, he takes good. on every challenger. It's, it's become kind of a gimmick that someone will come up and be like, you need to give me that title shot. And he'll be like, oh, okay. That's what he does. When do you want it? That's and who he is. Like, I'm up Friday. He's been like on Rampage a lot. Uh, we've got uh, FTR versus the Guns. Billy, the ass boys, as you like to know him as. I'm an ass man. Well, this is their boys. The Sons. And then uh, a name that you do know, Mr. Rick Ross, will be on the on the show tonight. He'll be mediating a— Rick Ross, the boss? The boss, yeah. All right. He's going to be trying to mediate the friendship and the torn relationship that is between Keith Lee and Swerve. Why is Rick Ross doing that? Uh, I didn't realize he was a licensed mediator. <laughs> I think it's more—Swerve uh, Strickland, I think, has uh, a lot of like uh, fingerprints in like, the music industry. I think he has his own CD as well. Okay. He does rap. I think, so I think they have connection in that way. By the way, Sir Strickland, great heel. I mean, just main event written all over him in a few years. So that's that's part of the, part of some of the great things we'll get at the holiday bash tonight. Now I've got to. I'm mad at you. I had to go to the war room last night. You and I were talking about this. I'm in the fantasy semifinals in my big league. Like we've made a we've won five in a row. We had to win all four to make the playoffs. We've won four. We won those four. We won last week in convincing fashion. Jalen Hurts has carried me all season long. He now is out, yeah. and I had one. We 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 limit our roster moves to twenty a year. I had one roster move left, and I knew I had to pick up a quarterback. You have limited roster moves in your league? Yes. That sucks. That's I don't stupid. like it. Yeah, but you drop that. It's, we, we actually upped it from 15 to 20, which, thank God. But this is my last move. So I was like, if, basically, if all my wide receivers are hurt besides my three stars. If I lose a wide receiver, I'm done. I may be done anyway because I don't. we had limited quarterbacks available. The guy I'm playing with spent all of his money left, all of his waiver wire money left to make sure I didn't get Brock Purdy, who I was not going to go with anyway. That's, that's good. Who was, Who were they playing again? Uh, Washington. Yes, not even great match. I made an executive decision last night. I was down to three guys: Garner Minshew, who's stepping in for for Hertz, yeah. Brock Purdy, yeah. or Daniel Jones. And I I gave you my thoughts on all three, and I, I believe I put them in the order of Jones, Minshew, Purdy. I'm loading up my fantasy hopes. Rest with Daniel Jones. There you go. He's my quarterback this weekend. Is that, it's I, terrifying. I don't know if it's a home or away. They play but, Minnesota, but yeah, I know who they play. I just can't remember if it's a home or away. Um, but it's Minnesota, a team that, that does not have a great defense. They, they've they're given, fading. They've given up points. Jones with Barkley playing better. Jones's numbers are looking better. He's still you're gonna get some rushing yards. I like your odds with Jones. Now the thing about this is it's a and the, the guy I play I play our number one seed who's been he's the most fraudulent regular season champion we've ever had. He's like seventh in points. He's number one seed I in the playoffs, that, yeah. and he's caught every break imaginable. And so now of course he gets me without Jalen Hurts, but. In our league, like the runner-up gets you double your your entry money basically. So this is, if I win, I'm guaranteed to make money this year, and if I lose, I get nothing. I'm out the the, the two twenty that we put in. So it's a big weekend for me. I need. Uh, I've never needed Daniel Jones to be a capable quarterback more than I need him right now. Have you ever had this much support for a Duke alum? I like Jay Billis a little bit. <laughs> when Jay Billis goes after the NCA, I'm like, yeah, I get him. Besides that, no. I mean, Minshew, I mean, I, I get, I love how people are coming at me like the Cowboys. Cowboys have given 65 points in the last two games. They were 40 of them were just the last game. 
So giving up 25 is not like some mind-blowing number, okay? Right. I mean, they gave up 40 to, to, to Trevor Lawrence and company last game, and it was kind of a weird thing. But Dallas defense is does have a tendency of giving up big plays. It's But, man, they're going to be – whether we Eagles win or lose, I think Minshew does play well, but I just think you have a better chance of getting numbers out of Minshew can play, be playing inspired. He seemed pretty emotional with the leech stuff, and rightfully so. But And he played well last year. But it was also against the Jets defense that was not as good as this Denver or Dallas defense was. Let's take uh, let's, let's take some text on the text line in the last ten minutes or so that we have here. Uh, we probably won't get to everybody, but we'll try to get to as many as we possibly I'll can. I'll reply in the car if I can. There you go. Texture says uh, potential transfers and recruits have to be able to see the kind of improvement that we as fans are starting to look for as well. They're not going to want to come to a program that shows no signs of being able to win games. I don't know how much you believe. We're in, talking about basketball. Yes, right? okay. I, I don't know. You know, there have been reports from various recruiting guys who have said some of the recruits that Louisville was looking good for, namely uh, the kid who just, uh, Isaiah Miranda, who just went to NC, NC State. State. Yeah. We were the perceived leader for him if he didn't go to the NBA. And then some people on the message boards were like, he's telling people, I'm not going to go because I saw them lose their first seven games and look so terrible and look all this stuff. Like, I don't know how much I buy into that because you see programs that have been bad get big-time recruits all the time. Oh, yeah. It certainly does not help to look this inept in Kenny Payne's first season. But I, I still think if Kenny Payne was the master recruiter that he's been billed to be, you're going to get kids regardless. Like, like You tell them, this is Louisville. You're still under a gigantic microscope here. The lights are still bright. You're still playing an ACC schedule. They've still got money here. You're still treated like a rock star. The fans care more than just about any program in the, in the sport. Come here, be a superstar, then go to the NBA. Like that's still your selling point. It doesn't matter if you won five games the year before. In fact, it may even help if you're like, "Hey, come help us. Take 25 shots a game." And we have not seen that start to happen yet. I, mean, I guess I, I would believe that a little more if he didn't go to a team that hasn't been a tournament in seven years or six years, whatever it's been. Yeah, I mean, it's been. I, I think we've been in a tournament more recently. They have, haven't we? Who are we talking about? NC State. Uh, they last went in. Why don't you look it up? Uh, seventeen, eighteen season. So yeah, we went nineteen. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> Texas says the pick of TK in disgust after taking a bite of the salad is my new favorite meme. Oh, it's out there. People are using it. <laughs> my meme. Yeah, that's fine. It was disgusting. That, 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 you think that look? You you think that's the disgusting look? You should see my face when I'm watching U of L last night. It was last night was bad. I was in a bad mood. I mean, I I felt like I'd just been like like. Had a, that entire salad crammed in my mouth. I was expecting. I mean, I said I think seventy to sixty-seven was my prediction. I thought we'd lose, so it wasn't that far off. And yet, still, just like it, it's one one of those things where you, when you actually watch it, you can expect it, you can know it's going to happen, you can think it's going to happen, but when you actually watch it, it still never fails to piss you off. And last night, it pissed me off. I know. Texas on football, we are tied for seventeenth in average star rating per recruit on twenty-four-seven sports. Pretty damn good. Okay. Texas Lipscomb's center was the best player on our team. <laughs> I mean, he was, he's a solid player. He's good. I mean, he's been in all conference the last three years. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a smart player. I mean, he should be. He's like 30 he's years great old. Great passer. Yeah. The only thing about Lipscomb that I don't know, I don't know if this is like something they like to do or they're just trying to be cute, but they've tried so many behind little back passes. And I don't know if that's just part of what they like to do normally, but. I don't know. To me, like if I, I'm seeing that as a player, I, mean, I don't know. It's just me because I'm old school a little bit too. But if I'm a player and I'm seeing them do that, like not like three or four times where they did it, I'm starting to take that as a as an insult. 
I mean, because that's, yeah. that's just showing off. And they screwed it up a few times, too. They did, but they kept doing it. Yeah. I was like, I mean, at some point, you got to look at yourself in the mirror if you're one of these little players and go, they just don't respect us. Well, I mean, why would they? I mean, we're sitting here talking about how we're overlooking them. Like, we were under talks on our home no. floor to this team. That's not I, – I, I hate to beat this point on – that's not an NCAA tournament team. Like this isn't one of those little major teams that you know. Hey, they're the best team in their conference. They're actually good. People just don't know about them. That is a, the Patino thing you'd always say every year. Right. when They would come in. Well, yeah. most of time, I mean, Rick knew like, he would schedule that way. He would schedule the best teams out of small conferences to try to game the RPI system, which is a really smart thing to do. This is a team that's going to finish in the middle of one of the worst conferences in America. It's not a good team, and yet they were favored to beat you, and they came in here and they covered that spread by seven points. It's embarrassing. So we're now what uh, one in eleven versus the spread. Yes, covered against Western. That's it. Covered yeah. dramatically. We were eleven point underdogs. Yeah, and we won by eleven. Uh, and besides that, we, we've That's not it. not really come close to covering against anybody else. Yeah. Texas, with how Josh Hurd handled the set Brom thing, I fully trust him to make the right decision for the future of the basketball program. He's a smart guy, and he knows this isn't acceptable. Mm. I think Josh is very aware that this is not acceptable. Oh yeah. I don't know. He how also he knows he, you can't fire him after one year, though. I, he's in a weird spot. You can't. Now the thing is, is again, it, if it's as bad as it could be at the end of the year, is he gonna like? And Kenny Payne comes up to him and says, "I think I'm gonna step up." I just, I don't. This is, I don't think he's gonna be like, "No, please stay." I oh no, I don't think he's gonna beg him to or try to convince him to do one more year. But I just can't. You can't. You can't. You got to give to. And I know if somebody wants to. And, and here's the thing: if somebody wants to come at me like. How far are you going to put yourself behind the eight ball if you sit there for another year? You, you, you were you wanted Satterfield out right away. Two completely different different sports. Well, you didn't want him out right away you, either. You, you can you we can suck. Satterfield was coach of the year his first year. I know, but I'm just saying, like, if you holding on to him another year, like going into this year or something, like in football, you it's a little harder to get climbed back up. So sheet Louisville basketball. Listen, you get the right coach in there, and I can show you a thousand examples if you like. Where even if we suck next year. A, this level bad, which God, I don't know if my heart can take it. Then you bring in the right guy, though, right after that, and you can be right back in the tournament appearance. We have like we have like five of the same text, and we get this text every day where it's what win total keeps Kenny Payne's job, and there's no way to answer this no, question. No like, way. if we go two and twenty nine, does that get him? I I don't think that he's he's going to get fired I regardless. I don't think there's any win. I don't think there's no matter. I don't think but I don't know that. Yeah, I, I, you're right. I don't. I, I, don't, I don't know that. It, it is what it is. Texas, at this point, you have to ask, is Dabo Sweeney trying to pitch himself to Notre Dame at this point because you would think Clemson is a private religious school or something? I think he's trying to go to Liberty. <laughs> be a nice falling place when Clemson, when the bottom drops out and Clemson just unravels. I mean, him and Liberty seem like a perfect match, right? Oh, he'd love it. He'd, he'd win there. He'd be great. Yeah, Texas says, judging by uh, Billy Strings closer on that break, we do indeed agree that the team should do cocaine. <laughs> Texas says, does Withers get high before games? It would explain a lot. A lot of drug talk on the text line today. I'm not going to. Yeah. Thank you. No. Texas says, I'm ready for the anti-Malik, a refrigerator box that can sling it. That would be <laughs> Jack Plummer a little bit. Texas says, do you think that Dabo came up with that NIL line on his own, or did you get it from a local youth pastor? <laughs> I'm here for all the Dabo slang. I mean, that's just uh, – <laughs> Apparently, Ryan Day was saying some stupid stuff today, too, from what I understand on Twitter. Was he? I don't know, but I saw some a tweet, thankfully, a tweet that, that makes me forget to actually top Ryan Day's stupidity, and it was like, quote, tweet of, of Dabo. <laughs> I guess Ryan's blaming a lot of their decommitments today on the fact that 
he is under the impression of the unwritten rule that when a kid commits that you don't have to keep recruiting him and no one else will recruit him now. Mm. And apparently they've lost, uh, including a top quarterback decommitted from today and other players. KRC text. KRC text. Man, I understand the criticism, but this KSR negativity toward Cal is wild. The pregame show is killing him already. Imagine being, I mean, like people are like, who's more negative right now, Louisville fans or Kentucky fans? Imagine being negative because you're only like bottoming into the top 25 good. I'd kill for that negativity. We've been there. I miss it. We're debating about whether or not we're being too negative about being one of the worst power conference teams in history. That's the complaint brag, right? Like when you're like, man, I don't know what to do tonight. I got like nine girls to pick from, and I don't know which one I don't want to hang out with tonight. Yeah, we used to be that way. I mean, it's, yeah, now, now we're just like, Huh. We were mad about losing games. Now we're just basically like I was last night watching True Lies and Speed on my phone. Why were you doing that? Because I was playing Madden on the TV. Eating left, eating some China One. Te- <laughs> this is 1 o'clock in the morning, by the way. Texas says, I'm blaming you all for the loss. You did not go to the OG studio yesterday. We know. I know. Texas Keith, I, I love when Keith's on because it's like 17 texts about, hey, please unblock me on Twitter. <laughs> I usually I don't say anything to Keith, but he's had more people blocked than I do. Oh, there's no way he doesn't. Like he 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 blocks everybody. I'm in the thousands. But there's like there was like a really kind-hearted message to me on Twitter, direct message where it was like, I really respect his work. I'm not sure exactly what I said. And people send me these messages all the time where it's just like, Hey, tell Keith to unblock me, please. This one I passed along. I'm like, Hey, man, like this this person's very clearly sorry. And Keith's like, I'm sorry they're coming to you like this. I'm like, buddy, this happens 17 times a week. <laughs> I, I, why does he just mute him? I don't know. It's Keith. He doesn't. He doesn't have time. Because I do mute more than I do block. But I mean, I have. I'm probably. I think I'm like around eleven or twelve hundred blocked, and like closer to two thousand muted. Texture says, "Travis describing the one sloppy time that he had sex is just fantastic." I'm assuming that's in reference <laughs> oh, to you, Trevor. Texture says, "Trevor had sounded like a boy going through puberty lately with all these sex jokes. You have been more like teenage boy than lately recently." Thank you. I don't know if it's a compliment. I mean, it's me trying to revert back to when Louisville was actually relevant in basketball. Texas says it's okay to say it, Mike. Kenny Payne is just a flat-out bad basketball coach all around. Only got players when he had Nike helping him at UK, and obviously is not an X's and O's coach, to say the least. I can't confirm everything except for the front part of that is I'm starting to believe it's more true than it is not. The jury's still out for sure, but if you're not at least acknowledging that there are significant red flags out there right oh, now, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, there are big red flags. Texas Trevor, if you just stop using DoorDash for one month, you can come up with the 500 that you're going to owe Scoots. You don't even have to stop eating fast food. Just DoorDash. The fees, markups, and tip just kill your wallet. It does. He knows all this. He just doesn't care. Yeah, I'm fully aware of it. He's just rolling in it. This is the Big X lifestyle. This is how he lives. <laughs> Texas, oh, this is even too mean. We can't read this. We get it. People are upset with Kenny Payne. We're up against the end of the show anyway. Tonight, 9 o'clock, ESPN you can hear it right here on 1450 The Big X, I'm assuming. The New Orleans Bowl. Actually, it starts at 8 with the broadcast. Broadcast starts at 8. Pre-game 8. Kickoff, 9 o'clock. New Orleans Bowl, Western Kentucky, South Alabama. Sneaky good game here. South Alabama went 10-2 and two in the Sun Belt. The Tops come into this game at 8-5. and five. They do have Austin Reed, the quarterback. Does not go to Louisville. He stays with the Tops for this game. USA is a four-point favorite. Trevor, do the Tops end their 2022 season with a victory tonight. South Alabama's been an underrated program in general. They've, they've steadily been good for the last yeah. several years. Um, that said, Western's minus four and a half? No, they're, they're uh, plus, getting, four getting four plus four and a half. Plus four. 
Um, you know what? Call it a homer, whatever you want. Call me butt slapper, fanboy. I'm a Jeff Brown fanboy. I'm going the tops. I'm saying the Jaguars win tonight. Jaguars. Tops have been good to us in the pick'em this year, but they have been. I'm saying the Jags win tonight. I'll take take the tops and the points at least. Hey, late night football. I'm not gonna hate it. Love having something to watch before I go to sleep. Should be a good night. Everybody enjoy your Wednesday I evening. Last night at one a.m. God knows I need something to watch. We're back tomorrow at three o'clock. Same bat channel, same bat station. Jody Dummy, the Cardinal Insider. They're up next. Yeah. Go Cards. <laughs> Is it not? <laughs> no excuse. <laughs> <laughs>